Hello everyone and welcome back to the Damage Counter Podcast, the bi-weekly podcast for all things Pokemon trading card game. We've got a fun episode lined up for you today. I'm Phelan. And I'm Josh. And uh, we're here to talk about some shiny cardboard, as we are one to do here on the cast. We've got Cinderace from Chilling Rain in our uh, card of the day segment coming up. Of course, we've got a lot of news to talk about. Fun product coming out, tournaments going on, you know, the usual stuff. And our 60 card showcase today, we're finally, we did, it only took us a year to do it, but we're finally talking about the expanded format, taking a look at Pikachu and Zekrom Tag Team GX and how it just dominates. Well, it doesn't really dominate, but it does really well in the expanded format. And then at the top of the show, we're going to go over some of the cards uh, revealed from Japan's Triple Beat set. We're not going to cover everything. I know we're a little late to this one. Uh, we're going we're gonna to hit some of the highlights and then wait for the rest of the set to be revealed before we hit everything else. But uh, yeah, so I hope you all are looking forward to that. But you know how we always start things off here, Josh. How you been, man? Uh, Pretty busy. Been working a lot. Uh, been, you know, playing games in my own time. There's a lot of really good video games coming out this year, and like the, like that have came out and are coming out in the next few months. I actually have like a lot of stuff that I've been trying to hit and play. I know uh, the, the year is starting out strong for sure. Yeah, you know how that goes. <laughs> uh, but I mean, Pokemon wise, uh, you were just talking about expanded. I have my own sixty card expanded list put together, not uh, actually in paper put together, but. What I want to build. I've been working on getting some cards from that. I have a buddy from work who used to play back in uh, Sun and Moon and whatnot, like way older oh. from what I haven't been playing. And he says he has a lot of cards, so he might be able to help me get a hold of some of the things like computer researches and what, or computer search and whatnot. He's yeah, going to check out what he's got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, computer and, search uh, is a big one. <laughs> yeah, let me know what I like, what he's willing to like give me. Because he just said he's going to give them to me if I like he has what I need. So he's checking out on a couple things for me. So hopefully that works out. That'll save me a lot of money <laughs> if I can get some stuff like that from him. Uh, it's like a $40 card if you buy it like heavy played. I know. So <laughs> I'm really hoping that works out. But uh, besides that, not too much. Been playing some PTCGO here and there. And... Uh, has not been that fun i'm not gonna lie at least playing standard yeah i think we've uh, lamented a bit here on the show <laughs> you know we're, we're ready for standard to wrap up and uh of course if you're following me on twitter you've probably seen my salty tweets about this <laughs> yeah it's rough out I've there been, i know i've been really itching to actually get to play some paper but i just like it has not worked out at all for me i haven't had like a weekend off in the last two months uh just from, like, switching to my new job and whatnot, getting settled and, like, figuring stuff out. <laughs> and, man, I, like, I really want to play some card games in paper. I'm not going to lie, dude. Uh, it's, all, it's always so much better in paper. But, uh, I, you know what? I, I meant to ask you this before I hit record on the mic, but, you know, whatever. I'll just ask you here on... or I'll, I'll throw the idea out there on air. I uh, was actually considering... Uh, you know, we've started doing the tabletop content for the YouTube channel. Um... You know, I was planning to just, like, get some standard in there because, you know, we're going to be in standard until, like, midway through April. Oh, God. But, honestly, I was also thinking, I was like, you know what, man? I already plan on printing Scarlet and Violet proxies, and 
I plan on testing like immediately after Knoxville because I'm not going to mm-hmm. any other regionals after Knoxville, at least in, in this format. So I was like, why don't we just like print out some proxies and just do like post rotation tabletop? Let's just get a head start on it, you know? <laughs> like, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think I'm it'd down be fine. I know, like... I know uh, some of the other YouTubers have been doing that. I know like Omnipoke and them have been doing it. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to join them. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually. And it'll be good testing for sure. Yeah, let us let us know on Twitter or on the email at damagecounter or damagecounterpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if y'all are uh, interested in seeing some post rotation tabletop gameplay. Regard, we're at least going to do one. I feel like you know, just get just get one out there. You know, one and done. But mm-hmm. you know, if there's some demand for it, obviously we'll keep it going. Uh, and we, you know, we've. Like I said, we've lamented about standard format in the past. Uh, and, you know, we've been looking back at retro. That, that's part of the reason we're looking at expanded for this episode. Uh, we're wanting to go back to gym leader challenge. Like, standards kind of run its course at this point. And unless, like, something super crazy, super innovative comes out and turns the format on its head, I think, like, at least as far as, like, content goes, I'm willing to, like come away from standard until rotation mm-hmm. you know that way we have something more interesting to talk about but yeah standards kind of kind of bleh right now yeah it's pretty rough and before i turn it over to you i had a question that i wanted to ask man i've like have you had good luck with crown zenith product i've bought in like two ebts and probably like 20 odd packs now and i have pulled absolute like crap i don't have anything good from that uh, let me think. I pulled, or I opened a Reggie Lackey box, a Reggie Drago box, two Elite Trainer boxes, and the Pikachu VMAX box. Uh, I remember one of the Reggie boxes and one of the ETBs were pretty hot. Um, I got, like, the the Galarian Gallery Raikou V, uh, which is super sick, and it's also, like, a $40 card. Um, I got a couple of the more playable Galarian galleries. I, I don't remember them off the top of my head, I'll be honest, but I got some of the more playable ones. I got the Melanie. Um, but that's like, I, I think I pulled like maybe like five or six, like really good pools out mm. of like three boxes and two ETBs, especially the second elite trainer box. Dude, it was, is dog water. Yeah, absolute dog water. And then the Pikachu V Max box I opened the other day. I think it comes. It comes with like four packs. I pulled like a Stoutland V, and then everything else was regular rares, not even hollow rares. And I was just oh like, God. dude, I was like, my luck cannot be this bad. It's got to I a know. point where like, I I want to buy more Crown Zenith because the set is like really fun to open. But like, that's like I I already know that's like a money pit if I'm not careful. Mm-hmm. So I straight up, uh, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Eric, he pulled the uh, the alternate Ar- Arceus V-Star. I mean, he like he pulled it like in January when the set like first came out, like off his first thing he opened. Uh, and we've been trying to work something out for a while as far as like trades. And I was like, you know what, dude? Mm-hmm. I was just like, whatever, dude. And I, I just, I straight up, I pulled out a hundred dollar bill and I was just like, give me the Arceus throw. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all right, you here you go. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta, dude. I was, just, I was like, you know what? After, between this and Silver Tempest, bro, I'm done. Like, if I'm gonna, if I'm just gonna drop a ban on the cards I want, fine. 
Like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that. But no, yeah, I just, like, have not gotten like anything I feel like is even worth mentioning. And I've been, like, pretty disappointed. Yeah, it's one of those sets where it's, like... It, it's weird, right? Because, like, I've never felt this with any other set. Like, sometimes I can open something from a set and the pulls will be really hot or they'll be really trash. But sometimes I can open something and be like, eh, it was kind of mid. Like, I'm not upset, but, like, it could be better. Crown Zenith isn't like that. It just... If you open Crown Zenith product, you're not you don't have that middle ground. You're either the pools are either extremely hot or you're just like I I I want my money back. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I know. All right. <laughs> anyway, off of that little tangent, uh what have you been up to? Lots of poke, but also not a lot of poke at the same time. <laughs> Uh, of course, long time, long time listeners of the show, or not even long time, but if you've listened to a, some of the previous episodes, y'all will know that I will be in Knoxville Regionals this weekend. Uh, like I said, this will be my last Regionals probably until rotation, unless I come across some more money, and then like maybe I'll be going to Fort Worth or Charlotte or something. I don't know. We'll see. Um, so I have been preparing for that. Um, a lot of that has unfortunately been like theory and not really a lot of play. Um, Cause you know, like I talked about on the last episode, like I did not like I tanked at Orlando, like it was bad. Um, and since then I was like, okay, you know what? Like I want to stop messing around. Like I'm going to play an actually good deck. Uh, like I'm like, I'm just going to play something meta, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to try to like, still stay true to my preferences as like a player and as far as like my pokemon go like i'm still gonna keep up with the preferences but like i'm going to play a meta deck and i went on this long spiral and still to this point i'm like kind of undecided on what i want to play at the time of recording hopefully by the time you're listening to this you know a day before or two days before the tournament i've decided you know (laughs) but um but it's been this long spiral of just like dude i don't i'm not really feeling anything in this format right like i came out of orlando i was like i want to win so i started playing lugia and i was just like dude this i hate this deck it's here's my hot take about lugia and i know i'm probably going to get lit up for this but i'm going to hop on my soapbox here for a second lugia is a pile it's a binder drop this deck is so inconsistent it hurts however it can get away with being a pile because it just does so much crazy stuff. Uh, a friend of mine put it best. It's sword and shield format in one deck. You have Star Requiem. You have Rapid Flow. You have these big beat sticks that can hit VMAX numbers like crazy. You have one prizers that can hit V stars. You know, it has all this crazy stuff. It doesn't matter that the deck is a pile because it has so much raw power behind it. Like, as long as your supporters give you the cards that you need, or at least, like, one or two of the cards you need, generally speaking, you're going to win the game. That That is my Lugia rant. So, anyway, I tested the deck. I gave it a fair shake. I, I hate it. I, I don't like playing it. I, like, losing with it feels really bad. Because, like, sometimes you're just like, okay, uh, I don't have any Archeops, so I'll research. 
And then you'll draw a hand of like four energy, two supporters, and a quick ball. And you're just like, okay, I still don't have any Archeops. Uh, and then that just feels really bad. And like, it got to the point where like, even winning with the deck, I would get up from the table like really mad. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like it just was, it just wasn't fun. Like I, I've never been more mad in my life about going three one at locals. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I was like, I can't, I can't do that for nine rounds at a regional. Like I just can't do that. Uh, and so I kind of, I, I just kind of like gave up very quickly at that point. I was like, screw mm-hmm. it, I'll just play Arceus Tapu Coco. It's a good deck. I like it. Uh, did some testing with it. And, you know, it's an Arceus deck. So if you go second into Lugia, you just kind of fold, even if you play perfectly. So I was like, well, I don't like that either. Uh, then I started... And, th- and this is where the indecision comes in. I started testing, like, Lost Zone variants, specifically Rayquaza. I was testing... Kind of trying to go back to Control. I was testing... Other flying Pikachu variants, uh, like Lost Zone flying Pikachu. Part of me was even like considering Mew for a second, which is so weird to say. <laughs> yeah, and I was just like, dude. So I, I'm, I'm still haven't figured it out, and I'm kind of like hitting, hitting like a critical point here. It's like, dude, I'm leaving in like a couple days. I need to figure this out. So yeah, you, you are already kind of short on time here. A little bit. So, in all honesty, my expectations are low. Uh, I'm probably going to pick a deck that I am at least semi-confident with. Uh, and doesn't make me want to sh- strangle something. And then just roll with it and just see if I can make the run. If not, whatever. Like, I'm kind of going into this knowing I'm not fully prepared. And But, on the flip side, some of my friends have been testing their butts off. And I am excited for them because I feel like they're going to make day two. Like they're playing so strong lately and it feels very good to, to watch that from them. So mm-hmm. if nothing else, I'll be, cause I'll be going to this regional with a lot of the local homies cause it's very close to us. Um, so if nothing else, it'll be nice to see them succeed. Uh, and if they do that, I'll consider it a successful weekend. Even if I go like Oh three drop, like I don't even care at this point, but that being said, I'm going to try my best because I would still like to try to finally break that top 256 goal I've had all season. But, uh, you know, we'll get there one step at a time. Yeah, I mean, I think we've made it pretty clear how we feel about the meta right now. And it's just going to be kind of rough for a while, <laughs> no matter what you do. Yeah, well, that like that's also part of the reason why I was like... Yeah, this is probably going to be my last regional for a while. Because, like, mm-hmm. I could make it to Fort Worth. I could make it to Charlotte. But, like, eh, format's just not fun. I mean, there are other, like, more personal reasons why I've decided not to go. But, like, generally speaking, yeah, the format's just not fun. So I'm I'm just sitting here like, you know what? That's, like, a whole two-month period. I could spend mm-hmm. that entire two months practicing Scarlet and Violet format. And get like a head start and a good feel for the metagame. Uh, you know, kind of hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, I'll get to play Sylveon again, so I'll actually have fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, be that as it may, I didn't mean for that to turn into like 
me over lamenting about standard format, but that's just that's just how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, I mean it's valid. I'll say it. Uh, it is a little depressing, I guess, because I feel like we talk like lament about standard a lot lately. But uh, I don't know. Gotta look towards the horizons, I guess. Scarlet and Violet does look like it's gonna be a lot of fun, even though it's still kind of far away. Yeah, I've seen a lot of post rotation gameplay. I've been keeping up with results in Japan. It's looking like a good format. Lugia is still around, which is annoying, but like it's nowhere near as good as it is in this format. You know, like I think Japan had it rated at like tier two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's cool for all the Lugia believers out there, but uh, I, I personally never want to see that card again, but <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, it, it's looking to be a healthy format, and I'm excited to, to get to play it. But that's enough about us. Why don't we go ahead and get the episode started proper with a card of the day. What do you say, Josh? Yeah. All right, card of the day. Fun little segment we love to do here at the beginning of every show. We just talk about one card. That's it. And today we have Cinderace. Cinderace from Chilling Rain. Uh, This was a pre-release promo for Chilling Rain. uh, And one of the better pre-release promos, if I remember correctly. Um, I like this card a lot. Uh, This card, like, single-handedly kind of carried me. (laughs) <laughs> in a pre-release <laughs> win-a-box tournament. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Cinderace is so good, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah, especially in those pre-release formats. Whew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's break it down. So we have Cinderace from Chilling Rain, a 170 HP Stage 2 Fire-type Pokemon. Pause for a second. Dude... Is this actually our first time talking about a stage two on card of the day? Uh, maybe. I think it might. Wow, how have we gone this far without talking about a stage two? Is it really? I hold on. I'm going. I'm going to fact check this look real at quick our, because I feel like I feel like this no, is too surely. crazy. Okay. Okay. No, we have talked about a stage two. Okay. Uh, the first. The first time we talked about a stage two was on episode ten, where we talked about Ampharos GX. Okay. Oh, okay. You know what's still kind of shocking about that to me too? That that means that we've still and I've never thought about this. We've still never talked about like the OG first edition Charizard as a card of the day. Uh, yeah. No, we haven't. We we got close. We uh we. I forget which episode it is, but we talked about the secret rare reprint of the base set Charmander. We talked about that one. I know. It's just a little surprising to me that we went a whole year and haven't hit that card yet. That That's a good point. That's a good point. You would think that one would be a slam dunk, but <laughs> yeah, between you, like the cards that you and I submit for this, as well as the ones that I've gotten from uh, <laughs> listeners over the year, uh... Yeah, no, nobody's even mentioned that Charizard. I guess that's because, like, most of our demographic is, like, players, you know? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> out of out of the original starters from the base set, Charizard is the only bad one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, and I think I have thought about it once or twice, but, you know, it's kind of like that low-hanging it's fruit. It's low-hanging fruit, <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows Charizard, man. Yeah. But it is iconic. We'll have to talk about it at some point. But at either some way... Point. <laughs> <laughs> 
different oh different fire type stage two. <laughs> yeah. So we have Cinderace from Chilling Rain has the ability Crisis Power. I love that ability name, by the way. That is so cool. Yeah, that is cool. This Pokemon's attacks do 30 more damage to your opponent's active Pokemon for each prize card your opponent has taken. That's a lot of damage. <laughs> That's a lot of damage. Yeah, I mean, we know that, you know, we got Choice Belt in the format, right? And Choice Belt is yeah. just so good. Plus 30 damage modifier is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So having that on an ability that stacks as, you know, the game progresses, that's just wow. Yeah, so, when you're already doing a base 150. Exactly, yeah. It's attack, fireball shot for a fire and a colorless. 150 damage enduring your next turn. This Pokemon can't attack. Also worth mentioning, it's a single strike Pokemon. So if you didn't think you were hitting for enough damage, you could slap a single strike energy on there as well and just bump it up by an extra 20. Because why not? Yeah, why not? Just big swing. <laughs> But yeah, no, like I said, this absolutely carried me at a pre-release win a box tournament. I got like second place. Uh, I think my box generally was pretty bad, actually. But like Cinderace, mm -hmm. you see it's so powerful. You get it in the late game and, you know, we were playing with four prize cards. So, you know, you could be hitting for that's 180, 210, 240 on a one prizer for two energy. Yeah. Like you were going to close out pre-release. Yeah, you were going to close out every game. Like. <laughs> yeah, this is a cool card. I always like the pre-release. Like, I don't know what you... What do you call them? Like, I guess they're... Uh, like the like the, pro, the promos? The pro, yeah, like the promos and each of the, like, the little... How they always do a couple like different like semi-base decks around a couple of them. Yeah, I, would, I actually, I, uh, I actually, even though I played in the Chilling Rain pre-release, I played in like three pre-release events for it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that this was one of the promos until uh, un until that friend I mentioned earlier, uh, Eric, a local friend of mine, until he had sent me this because uh, <laughs> because I, I had asked like some of my locals for some of their favorite cards. He's like, "Oh, this is this is my son, Caden. This is one of his favorite cards." And I was like, I've never seen this. I went to that pre-release. <laughs> like, I had the regular Cinderace in my deck. I never knew that this mm -hmm. was a card. I was like, what? That's kind of nuts. But yeah, the artwork on this one is sick. I love it a lot. Yeah, the artwork's sick. He's like running in place, uh, like causing impacts on the ground with fire splashing out everywhere. With the cute little score buddy in the background trying to imitate. <laughs> yeah, he's trying, he's trying to train up. Yep. And of course, yeah, I mean, you know, with the whole single strike thing, it's that impact is like really like flared out. You kind of have like these fire sparks going everywhere. That's sick. It is sick. Yeah, definitely uh, one of the cooler pre-release promos in my opinion. Yeah, it definitely is. Now, unfortunately, you know, it, it has stage two syndrome, so it's not particularly great in standard. <laughs> in the actual game, yeah. However, I have seen some pretty wild Japanese lists. I, I don't remember if it was like the tail end of like their, I guess, quote unquote, Crown Zenith format. Mm -hmm. Or if it was an early Scarlet and Violet list. I can't remember. I have to see if I could try to find it again. But um, it was a list that played 
the Crown Zenith Luxray, the one that has the ability like where if you have it in your opening hand, you can start with that Luxray. Mm-hmm. And then it had a bunch of like stage two, uh, or like stage two, stage one, uh, like single strike and rapid strike Pokemon without like their evolutions. Like it was just a mustard deck basically. Uh-huh. And it played the Cinderace and I was like, yo, yo, hold <laughs> up. That's kind of hot. <laughs> that's actually pretty cheeky. Yeah. You'll have to see if you can find that list. If I, if I can find it, I'll, I'll link it somewhere. I'll, I'll post it on our Twitter uh, and in our Discord as well. Which, by the way, if you're not joining the Damage Counter Discord server, go ahead and fix that for us. Links for that are in the episode description below. Bring the conversation further to us, or with us, whatever, in the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> We're always in there talking about shiny cardboard. But anyway, yeah, so if I can find it, I'll, I'll, I'll post it in there. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, that's Cinderace. It's a pretty simple card. It's, uh, you know, it, it's a little, it's... There's not really much you can say about them when, you know, uh, standard format. They're not particularly great. And I wish I could say something about Gym Leader Challenge here, but typically people are playing, like, the Sword and Shield Cinderace, if any, in Gym Leader Challenge. It's just mm-hmm. a little bit better because, uh, if I remember correctly, it can accelerate energy to itself, which is obviously a big deal. And I think it actually deals more damage, too. So, <laughs> outside of damage modifiers, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a cool card. I think yeah, it'd be pretty uh, interesting, like, uh, just my my final tidbit on this. I think this would be actually kind of an interesting card to use in, like, a uh, like a Sword and Shield-themed cube, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, if you made, yeah. like, a cube with nothing but Sword and Shield cards, but, like, only used, like, one-prizers. I think this mm-hmm. could be an interesting card in the cube, to be honest. Yeah, that could be fun, actually. I mean, it's definitely a good card. It's just, it exists with VMAXs and... Now yeah, it's, just, it's in the wrong format. It just can't, yeah. yeah, it just can't keep up. Yeah, as yeah. are all stage twos, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean that's going to get better soon. So you know, soon. if you like playing stage twos, look forward. Yeah, bless up, <laughs> bless up, Scarlet and bless Violet. Up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, like I say every week, if you have a card that you would like us to go over on the podcast, feel free to send it our way. Absolutely, you can send it to us on Twitter at Damage Counter, uh, Damage Counter Podcast at gmail.com if you prefer email, or you could also send it in our suggestions channel on our Discord server. I mentioned that before. If you want to join our Discord server, it's absolutely free to do so. Uh, so go ahead, check out the episode description. Links to that are down there, as well as the email and the Twitter. You'll find the links to all that down below. Come and join us, and uh, let's keep the conversation going. But for the time being, it's time to get into the news. And we've got, you know, a, a, a bit of a lighter a, a bit of a lighter week of news this go-around. Uh, OCIC just recently finished up, which was pretty exciting to watch. But we've also got some fun and interesting products coming out as well, including one that you might not have expected. Let's get into it. <laughs> All right, Josh, I have a very important question for you. Yes. Did you ever play the Pokemon trading card game on Game Boy Color? Constantly. I still lament to this day that I lost my copy somewhere along the line of my life. Okay, so I feel like I've like asked you this question off the mic before, and I was surprised when you told me that. 
but I think I forgot that conversation because I was about to, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> yes, yes, we've had this conversation. We have before. had this conversation. <laughs> I'm a lot of sorts these days, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Well, anyway, I bring that up because recently, uh, I guess this is a little outside of the TCG wheelhouse, but recently Nintendo had a Nintendo Direct. And part of that Nintendo Direct, they announced that Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games are coming to their retro subscription service, their NSO, or the Nintendo Switch Online service, NSO is, um, it's commonly abbreviated to. Normally we wouldn't really report on stuff like this, but one of the games uh, announced to be coming to the service later this year is the Pokemon trading card game that was on the Game Boy Color. I mean, how cool is that? It's insanely cool. Yeah, I'm sure if you're like, around our age or older, you probably enter into the card game. I wouldn't be surprised if you know about this game. This game was a lot of fun. If you, like, exist uh, after the Game Boy era for, for the younger audience, 100% if you have a Switch and pay for this service, you need to download this game and play it. It is a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, as far as, like, uh, as far as like a digital trading card game type deal for the Game Boy, it works surprisingly well. Uh, I mean, it's... Obviously, since it's, you know, on the Game Boy, you have limited buttons and a small screen. You know, the, the UI gets a little clunky, but it works very well for the most part. Um, I've been playing a bit recently on my physical copy, uh, which I unfortunately can't save because the battery's dead. But um, won't have to worry about that here if you play it on the Switch. And it's worth noting that you only need the base level uh, Nintendo Switch online subscription. There's like two. There's like the base level and then the expansion pack. Uh, if you want access to the Game Boy games, you don't need the expansion pack. You just pay for the standard Nintendo Switch Online. It's like 20 bucks a year. Um, if you're on the Switch constantly like I am, it's obviously very worth it. Um, and I mean, yeah, dude, we get to play Pokemon trading card game. Base set through Fossil on the Switch. That is amazing. Yeah. I like texted the local group chat like immediately. I was like, who got the base to fossil strats? It's me. Y'all don't. It's me. I have the strats. Y'all ain't ready, bro. I'm so excited for this. And because it's on uh, NSO, you can play it online. Yeah, you can actually use the multiplayer. Exactly, yeah. Dude, It's this is going to be so awesome. I'm so excited for this. Um, and this is going to kind of be like, you know, if you already own the Switch, if you pay for the service, this could be like, a pretty cheap way to experience this format. I mean, base through fossil is beloved by many people It's a very, from what I understand, cause I've admittedly, I've not played it myself, but from what I understand, it, it is a beloved format. A lot of people really enjoy it. And typically if people are going back to play in like that base set era, this is typically the format they're playing. So this is uh this is two thumbs up from me. Yeah. Two thumbs up for me too. This is really cool. It's a uh, yeah. If you're just if you if you're a fan of Game Boy games in general, you definitely need to check out. Oh, they've got uh, so the many good games. Out. There's a lot. So like, many good I, games on this service. I know. Like I saw that they were putting Zelda, both Zelda Oracle of Seasons and Ages on there, right. and I about lost it. I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah, they got the, they got the OG Tetris, uh, Kirby's Adventure. Uh, they they got Mario Land 2, Wario Land. I mean, they've 
listen, the Game Boy had some bangers, that's all I'm saying. Oh yeah, definitely. It's gonna be really great to be able to play a lot of these games that, I, like, I admittedly own, but, like, I don't know. I just don't, like, ever take my Game Boy anywhere it, it, anymore. It's the convenience of the Switch. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- that thing is so convenient. And, of course, like, you know, having access to, like, you know, your Switch games on the go, and then, you know, the NES, the Super Nintendo, or if you pay for the expansion pack, you get N64, Genesis, GBA, which the GBA library is also full of bangers, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Just Game Boy in general just had so many good games. But let let me get off that topic before I start a whole new podcast here. (laughs) Yeah, we could. Anyway, uh, we'll probably uh, provide more coverage on this, both on YouTube and on the podcast, once this finally releases. I don't believe we have a release date, a specific release date for this yet. But the moment this drops, I'm getting on there. You best believe we're going to do a video of Pokemon trading card game. We're getting on there. We're going to get the cards. We're going to build some decks. You know, we're going to we're going to have a good time. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So if you have a switch, be on the lookout for that. We definitely will be. And of course, like I said, we will be here to provide coverage as well. But moving out of the digital world and into the physical realm. We got some very interesting products lined up. Uh, I got two. Uh, we brought two to the table today. The first one I want to talk about are these new EX battle decks that we will be uh, that we'll be getting on May fifth. So these are going to come out. These are going to feature a specific EX Pokemon. The ones that they have announced are EX battle deck Lucario and EX battle deck Ampharos. So. These are just going to be really cheap 60-card decks featuring that said EX Pokemon. They're only going to be $9.99. Not bad. Wow. Yeah. That's a little surprising for a full 60-card. Well, that being said, uh, these are positioned as your quote-unquote level 1 decks. So this is essentially like replacing like the V Battle decks that we're seeing nowadays, which replace theme decks. (laughs) So uh, just kind of that step in the next direction. So... These will not be great for tournament play, like, out of the box. But what they will be good for is learning the game. It's a good good product to pick up, you know, pick it up, open it up, maybe sleeve it up, and then just play the game with a friend. If if you're new and have, like, never played before, like, this is a great product. This is how I learned to play the game. I bought a theme deck. I read the rules, and I played using that theme deck against other theme decks until, you know, I kind of got an idea of the meta, and then I moved on from there. So if you've never played before, which, you know, I'm sure most of our listeners have, but if you've never played before or if somebody you know has never played before is kind of interested, these are the products to get, just to start out on. Yeah, definitely. And I will say, this might not be for everybody, but, like, I know for me, even as, like, an experienced, a card game player there's something to be said about buying theme decks say like me and you bought like lucario and ampharos a piece and then you just play them against each other sometimes it's kind of fun to build like play these pre-made decks against each other where you're like around the same power level and but you're just playing a deck that like it's pretty much brand new i don't know i have fun doing stuff like that sometimes oh yeah for sure i mean that that's that's definitely really fun i know we've done that a lot in the past actually um even after you and i got like pretty experienced with the game we would still like every other set or so just like hey that theme deck features a pokemon i really like so i'm gonna pick it up and then you know 
the other one picks one up and we just have a quick battle with them you know have a good time and they're yeah. again only 10 bucks right so you know if you if you want to just try it out that way go for it i mean shoot we might we might actually do that i mean listen this one has amphros in it that's my boy okay <laughs> that's yeah, my I mean, boy <laughs> that would be fun and i always think these scene decks are kind of worth because it's a good way to get a couple of the staples that like you need for whatever format that is true are- it's obviously going to have, like, some balls and whatever, like, prevalent supporter cards are. Usually a couple of them, at least. Right. Yeah, we don't know uh, the exact list yet. Um, but, yeah, like Josh said, it, it's almost guaranteed that it'll come with uh, fairly decent cards. I'm sure, like, Nest Ball is, you know, is a great example. And, of course, you know, it'll all be, like, the Scarlet and Violet Silver Border stuff, so... Mm-hmm. you know cheap way to get all those uh, and of course you know it comes with the deck uh comes with uh you know the damage counters uh the metallic coin the deck box which i'm fairly certain is just a little cardboard box that fits Usually, the unsleeved yeah. deck not a sleeved deck so keep that in mind uh and then of course a code for use on pokemon tcg live so again pretty cheap but uh you know Great products, nonetheless. Like I said, I'm probably going to pick up the Ampharos one just on principle of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just fun products to be on the lookout for. Now, if May 5th rolls around and you're not really in the mood to pick up these more casual decks, might I point you in the direction of our newest League Battle deck, also releasing on May 5th. Josh, this one's going to be Palkia V-Star. Uh, I'm not surprised, honestly. I was kind of expecting, like, Palkia or uh, Dialga and them to end up in these League Battle decks. Yeah, I was actually expecting, like, uh, like a dual release of this one, right? Like, how yeah, we got that... Shadow Rider and Ice Rider at the same time. Yeah, I that we actually were is get... the most surprising part. Yeah, I thought we were going to get Dialga and Palkia at the same time, but no... This go around, it is just the one. It is Palkia V-Star. Um, of course, we've talked ad nauseum about Palkia V-Star here on the on the on the show. Palkia V-Star was just an insanely good card. Um, it's kind of fallen from grace a little bit in the Silver Tempest format, and I'll be honest, it you know it might be a bit of a dicey pick post rotation, which is around when this will come out as uh, lightning types are going to get very good, so playing Palkia might be a little dicey. I say that. Palkia has been doing, like, well in Japan. It's, like, considered, like, a tier 2.5, tier 3 deck. Right? Like, it's not, like, horrible. It still has tricks Mm post-rotation. But, like, it is going to be a bit more of a dicey play field for it, again, just because Muridon decks are just so good and all over the place. And, of course, you lose the Inteleon engine, so... You kind of have to restructure the entire deck to work off of draw instead of search. So uh, it's going to yeah. be a much different landscape for sure. But Palkia is still definitely a good card. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely good. Yeah, I think if you're interested in Palkia and you just haven't acquired any yet, this is uh, this is probably worth picking up. Because like you said, it's still good, even though it's not you know quite as good as it was back then. But I mean, it's still going to be around for a while and... It really just, if the format shifts ever so slightly, it could easily, you know, slide its way back to the top. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it has that kind of power level. And what we're seeing in post-rotation, at least as far as, like, Japanese tournaments go, 
we're still kind of in a format and probably, you know what, Scarlet Violet format probably exacerbates this even more because we won't have scoop up net. They're still very much in a format where every deck wants to fill its bench, right? So if you do that, you're giving Palkia so much free reign on its damage that it's not even funny. So, uh, yeah, it's still it, it's definitely going to be a strong contender for sure. For sure. So this is going to release on May fifth as well. It's going to be the standard twenty nine ninety nine price. Again, that's a pretty good deal for this. It's coming with three Palkia V, one Radiant Greninja, and two Palkia V Star. Uh, pretty good counts there. I don't. I think some Palkia decks might go like four three or three three, but I think out of the box, if you wanted to play a three two line, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Outside of that, we don't know what else comes in the deck yet. We don't have the full deck list, but uh, you know we'll get that information eventually. And once we do, we will yeah. report on it. Uh, and of course, like we always do. Every time a new League Battle deck comes out, we feature it in the 60-card showcase. So, uh, you know, if you're listening at around that time and you're unsure whether or not to pick it up, maybe wait for our episode to come out. We'll get the product. We'll build a deck around it. We might change some things. We may not play it as it is out the box. Uh, or maybe we will if it's that good. Sometimes we do that. Yeah. I mean, generally we try to, like, keep them semi-close to the boxes because usually the purpose of covering those is to try to show how you can help soup them up if you're planning on trying to take it into a tournament or exactly. something yeah yeah so if you're unsure just stick around listen to our episode about it because we're going to cover it like we do for every league battle deck and uh, we'll give you the lowdown for sure but and it's going to do it for our product this week our last news story that we want to talk about with you is the results of the Oceana International Championships. OCIC just finished up this past weekend. And Josh, this is the first time that I've watched a tournament all the way through, from round one to the finals. Please. How that long was, was that? Uh, very long. Very long. <laughs> because it's it, it was in Melbourne, Australia, right? So like when they start in the morning, uh, it's like three in the afternoon here so it like starts at like the perfect time mm -hmm. now granted i ended up staying up very late watching it through to the end but um it was it was good to to watch a lot of those stream matches and uh i definitely caught a lot more information on how people were shifting in the meta uh mm -hmm. by watching every single round granted so that's definitely a plus um but that's neither here nor there we're here to talk about some of the results so uh, thanks to RK9 Labs and Limitless TCG, we have access to all of the day two lists, except for one. We don't have the 64th place uh, list, but hey-ho, what can you do? We have the top 63, uh, and so I'll start how I always start, Josh, outside of the top eight. Does anything stand out? I hate to, <laughs> I hate to be like this. No. Yeah, I think we're getting, like... I feel like I feel like this has kind of been the conclusion. Like maybe I'm at a point where we should just stop asking because I'm just looking at it. it's like, as like yeah, dude, like Silver Tempest is a solved meta game, man. Like, let's not get <laughs> yeah. ourselves here. But this is the first time, truly, that I can say there's like literally nothing surprising in this top sixty-four. Yeah, uh, I mean it. It, I, I will say the top the top sixty-four is a perfect encapsulation of like what the Silver Tempest meta is, right? So day two, 50% of players are playing Lugia. 
which is just absurd. Yeah, like, that's a problem. Like, uh, if you don't know much about card game statistics, <laughs> if there's one deck that's 50% of your entries, that's kind of, like, not good. Yeah, yeah, that should be, like, firing off signals, like, uh, <laughs> we gotta fix something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, the last time that I saw, and I'm, I'm fairly certain I have this right, the last time that we saw 50% representation from one deck at an event like this, in fact, it was actually OCIC 2020, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. uh, it was Arceus Dialga Palkia with Zacian. Uh, ADPZ, as it was known back then. As this was uh, Oceania International Champions Championships right after Sword and Shield had come out. So ADPZ was everywhere. And at that event, 50% of Day 2 players were playing ADPZ. Now, granted, it didn't win the event. I think it had like four or five entries in the top eight. I'd have to go back and look, but... Kind of a similar problem. Like, the deck was just so strong. And we're seeing the same thing here with Lugia. We're, we're like, how many months into this format, right? Like, it came out in November. So, uh, we've been in this format for about four months. And we have two more months. And, like, all of these have looked the same. There's, like, 30 to 50% Lugia. A good amount of Lost Zone Box. A good amount of Mew. And then, like, the anti-meta stuff is sprinkled. Like, yeah, in the you last... got your Reggies, your Vicavolts, you know, your uh, your Metal Controls. Right. It's it's just, it's I don't know, it's been pretty much that the last couple times. Yeah, so not to, you know, not to kind of like tread ground on what we were talking about, talking about at the beginning of the show, but again, if you want a perfect encapsulation of the Silver Tempest meta, this is it right here. And mm-hmm. I will say, like, 50% Lugia... Yeah, I mean, that's bad. That's annoying. Nobody likes that. But that's, I, I, I don't want to take, like, anything away from the players that, you know... I mean, like, look at all these Lugia players. Like, 50% of them in day two. I mean, if you're going to... If you're, like, for a lot of these players, like, traveling across the world to make it to Melbourne, Australia... Yeah, I really wouldn't blame you for playing Lugia, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, if you're playing to win... It's the deck to play if you're just playing for the meta, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, it's like not to take anything away from the players. And of course, like, you know, there are some really cool things outside of, you know, all that stuff. Some of these Lugia lists are actually fairly interesting. And of course, uh, Lost Zone Box decks are always fun to look at because they're always just wildly different. I will say my heart goes out to uh, 27th place. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to mispronounce the name, I'm sure. Uh, Shuto Itatagi, Itagaki, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, for playing, yeah. Yeah, for playing the uh, Gudra Lost Zone box. I appreciate the Gudra. Yeah, I think uh, actually quite a few of the Japanese players were on Gudra for this event, which was very interesting. Um, however, I did mention, uh, this is one of the lists I want to talk about, because I think this is probably my favorite deck that I saw all weekend. And it it's a Lugia deck, Josh. <laughs> One of the most creative lists that I've ever seen in this format. 14th place, piloted by Takedo Seki, playing Lugia Archaeops. Josh, why don't you go ahead and open that up? 
<laughs> Let me know what you see in here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this deck is genius. I love this. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and break it down? For so me? this is a very wildly different version of Lugia Archaeops. And by the way, we will have links to the results in the episode description. So, you know, if you're not like listening to this on a commute or something and you want to try to follow along with us, check out the episode description. Link to the results are there. Check out 14th Place. That's the deck we're looking at right now. Piloted by Takedo Seki, Lugia Archaeops, but he's not playing a standard list. He's not playing the Raikou. He's not playing the Eveltal. He's not playing any of that stuff. Well, Eveltal is in the deck, but it's Celebration's Eveltal. Yeah. Turning Lugia's worst enemy into its best ally. <laughs> You'll love to see it. Cry of destruction. The cry of destruction. So, uh, Takedo did actually get to play on stream in day one. Uh, and that was wild to watch. Uh, especially because he played against Mew. And this deck... Listen, if you hate Mew, and I'm talking like have just guttural, deep hatred for Mew, and you want to make sure you win that matchup every time, play this deck. <laughs> you, like, this is like 90-10. You do not lose that matchup. Like... <laughs> You've got three of Eltal with its Cry of Destruction attack, two colorless energy, discard up to three special energy attached to your opponent's Pokemon, and you play a Drapion V just in case. I mean, this is brilliant. I love this. And, like, you don't even care because, like, the Lugia or the Mew players are, like, playing Path these days to try to stop Drapion. You don't even care. You have Archeops. Mm -hmm. Just power it up. <laughs> Four energy is nothing. <laughs> But of course you have, uh, you know, Double Luminion, Pumpkaboo, Manaphy. You've got the Stoutland in here, which is also really good for the Lost Zone Box matchups. You take two prizes off of the Cump Phase. That is certified broken. Uh, but yeah, a very different Lugia list uh, that's kind of... It, it's like Lugia anti-meta. Mm -hmm. Where the matchups where Eveltal is really good, you're just going to take the Cry of Destruction route, you know? And then, yeah. like... You know, maybe weave in a Lugia between Cry of Destructions or after you've, like, ruined your opponent's board with it. Um, whereas, like, a standard Lugia, like, you get one Lugia out, you use its power to get the, the Archaeops, and then, like, you never bench another Lugia ever again. Like, you play a one-pricer game at that point. Mm -hmm. But this is far more reliant on, like, using multiple Lugias to take multiple KOs. So, while, while it is a really cool deck... Uh, at least in my testing that I've done with it, it does kind of struggle in Mirror a little bit because you have to rely on more multi-prizers than standard Lugia lists do. So it's not mm. perfect, right? But, yeah. I mean, it, it's still, it's, it's just the fact, like, the creativity. It's just, I, I, yeah. I'm here for this. Oh yeah, the creativity in this is crazy, and I mean, you had, like it had it has to have worked up to a point. He got to fourteen. That's pretty good. Uh, he was the first seed going into day two. He ended day one at like eight and one. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, dude killed it. Now, unfortunately, I, I have to assume he had some rough matchups in day two. Um, and of course, you know, we're talking. You get to day two, you're like, you know, you're playing with like top players, especially since it was only like top sixty four. Yeah. There were so many good names at this event, right? Like, mm -hmm. you had John Eng, you had Tord Reklev, Christian Hasbani, Alex Shemansky, Grant Manley, uh, Hedy Brahmi. I mean, so many, 
so many like top tier players at this event, right? So like the fact that you know you bring this wild archetype, nobody's ever seen this before. You end up first seed after day one. And then, even though you didn't really make top eight, like, you still got, like, 14th place, outplacing a lot of the world's best. Bravo. Bravo. Yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely killer deck. But, okay. Just wanted to shout that one list out uh, before we moved into the top eight. And let's go ahead and move into that top eight. So, starting from eighth and moving our way up to the winner, eighth place was Grant Shen. Uh, followed by uh, Yerko Valencia, both playing Lugia Archaeops. Sixth place was Pedro Eugenio Torres, playing Lost Zone Box. Fifth place was Raz Wolp, playing Lugia Archaeops. Fourth place, Rahul Reddy, uh, playing Reggie Box. Third place, Owen Kammerman, who played Mew Genesect. Second place, Reagan uh, Retzlov, uh, who also, by the way, only became a master this year, by the way. So, kid's killing it. Yeah, that's pretty good. And then, Josh, he got another one. He got another one. The big man, Azul Garcia Griego, getting his second international win with Lost Zone Box. Hats off to you. Yeah. You'll love to see it. It's always like, I mean, like winning an IC in general is impressive, but winning multiple ICs? Yeah, that's really impressive. I mean, at this point, he's won NAIC. He's won OCIC. I mean, I don't know. He he might he might just, like, follow up on Tord and, you know, take the other two and complete the gauntlet. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. He, he might be the next one to do it. I mean, that would that is something really impressive to have under your belt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I do like this top eight. Like, half of the top eight was Lugia. It was very interesting because there was not a mirror match in top eight. So all the Lugia players were playing against like the other four decks in the top eight. Uh, and the only one that made it into top four into eventually the finals was Reagan Retzlov. Uh, so it was really cool to follow along on that. But let's go ahead and open up some of these decks here real quick. So I say let's just go ahead and get the Lugia lists out of the way as mm-hmm. uh, they're not too different than what you might expect it's you know pretty standard stuff uh a few different counts here and there that i thought were interesting uh like reagan for example playing two lost vacuum and two choice belt uh you know trying to give that extra nod of respect to things like uh, arceus duraladon hisui and gudra and of course the mirror as well uh, i think yeah. that's something worth noting it i feel like had to have been a big part of his success mm-hmm one other interesting thing that I'd noticed, and some Lugia lists, most notably from Raz Wolp and uh, Yurko Valencia, was a scape rope coming into the deck. Now, Lugia, quite famously at this point, doesn't play any switch cards. Like, that's one of the deck's biggest weaknesses, is that you have to manually retreat every single time you want to move. Uh, unless, of course, you're playing Birdkeeper, which is a popular one of, you know, that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. But... They're playing the escape rope in like an Irida package, right? So we saw this kind of come about in Liverpool. Uh, Irida and Skyla start making its way into the Lugia lists so that they could find like one of cards, like if they were playing one of Lost Vacuum or one of Choice Belt or, uh, 
you know, at, at the time in Liverpool, one of canceling Cologne to get past Aerodactyl and Weezing. You know, we saw those Skyla slash Irida packages come into Lugia to help with that. Uh, so these guys have, like, taken that package and, like, okay, well, the meta shifted away from Weezing and Aerodactyl. Nobody's really playing those right now. So let's just take out the canceling Cologne and let's just swap it in for a switch card. Escape Rope, obviously being a very good candidate in that position. Uh, taking the place of the Bird Keeper, which, uh, I don't know, I, I we've talked about this several times, long-time listeners of the podcast will know, I like to cover for everything, so I would probably be more comfortable with a Bird Keeper and an Escape Rope, but I get it, you only have 60 cards, and you need that to be consistent, so, um, you know, if you're looking for potential switch-out options to maybe get around Paralysis, or to get around Ability Lock in the early games from Weezing, things of that nature... Maybe think about having the Irida or Skyla package with an escape rope. That could be a good idea. At least it is yeah, one that I like. Uh, yeah, I think it sounds pretty good, honestly. And I do think, like, it is kind of, there is a certain amount of interest in looking at decks like this. Like, it was kind of the same with Mew back in the day. Because, you know, we say a lot, like, all these decks are a lot of the same, which they are. But it is interesting to see uh, different players' personal touches on what they think is, like, the good meta call or option. And, you know, the ones and twosies that get swapped out. Because it does make interesting things like this. Like, I think making room for the Switch. I really like that, actually. Because it's one of the things I've hated about Lugia is you have to manually switch everything. Yeah, it's, you know, like I said, it's it's one of the deck's biggest weaknesses and has been one of the main ways people have tried to counter it. And yeah, it, it's a little annoying to play around. So having that that escape rope just as that one time out, uh, I think is very smart. Uh, going into some of the other top eight lists, uh, I'd like to sit here and talk about Rahul's Regibox deck, but it's Regibox. There's not really too much different. Uh, it's not like anything that you wouldn't expect from a Reggie box deck, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, you got your Reggies, you got your suite of special energies, and you've got draw supporters, you've got, you know, place at a, uh, of, of quick ball. <laughs> quick ball, scoop up, uh, you know. You know, the usual stuff. Hard. You're trying to go yeah. turbo through your deck and all that fun stuff. So, uh, not too much to talk about there. Uh, now, of course, we do see Owen Kammerman playing Mew Genesect with that 1-1 Aerodactyl V-Star line. The idea being, if you go first into Lugia, you prioritize getting the Aerodactyl set up so you can tell Lugia, hey, you don't have any abilities as long as this Aerodactyl's on the field. And if you have no abilities, you can't get in the game fast enough to deal with this thing. So Mew is going to run all over you. It's kind of been an interesting idea. People have been kind of like hot and cold on it uh, mm-hmm. since it premiered. I, I don't remember where it debuted, but I know it was Xandra Perot that, that started all this. Uh, and I think this this is the second time in a row that a Mew Genesect list with the Aerodactyl has made top cut. We saw it at Orlando Regionals, and I believe it was Grant Hayes that was playing that list, and now we're seeing it here at OCIC with Owen Cameron. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty solid strategy. You turn off, it's a one-sided path to the peak that 
you can set up fairly consistently because you're drawing so many cards with Genesect. I mean, it it's it's a great tech. I think if I was playing Lugia, or uh, I think if I was playing Mew, I think this is probably, I would probably just take Owen's list and like just rock. Because I, th- I think this is the the way to play Mew in this format. Yeah, this definitely uh, looks like a really good list to me. I do still find find it somewhat funny that uh, Mew, who used to know, hate Path to the Peaks so, so much. Uh, Mew players have just said, screw it. We're just we're going to play Path, <laughs> but we're just going to play it to our advantage. And it seems to be working out really well, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's the... <laughs> It's quite literally the most prominent Path to the Peak deck in the format, which is so crazy it, to think about. Yeah, which is it's just yeah, it's just funny because if you went back to uh, Fusion Strike era and told us that, we'd probably just like laugh in your face. Well, I mean, I don't know. I always think back on like Brilliant Stars because that's around the time we started the podcast, and you know, well, we started the late Fusion Strike format, but you get the idea. You know. We had to talk about Mew a lot because it dominated the Fusion Strike format. It dominated the Brilliant Stars format. You had to be ready for Mew. Otherwise, you were going to have a bad time. And being ready for Mew usually meant playing Path to the Peak and a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) But it is funny how these things kind of evolve. Um, You know, you never really can tell sometimes. Yeah. But let's go ahead and round things out. Let's take a look at the last two decks, both being Lost Zone Box. And I wanted to save these two for last because they're not quite the Lost Zone Box decks that we're used to seeing. Of course, we're used to seeing uh, the variations with the Celebrations Kyogre, where you're Lost Zoning a bunch of cards, getting these poke attacks in with Cramorant and with Sableye and, you know, maybe other tech attackers. And building up towards this massive late game finishing combo with the Kyogre. Or you have these lists with the Amazing Rare Rayquaza. Where you're trying to string together 300 plus damage turn after turn after turn. Among other things. The reason why I want to talk about these is because they're quite different from that. The big story from Orlando Regionals was the fact that that was the first event with Crown Zenith Legal. And... We had all pretty much guaranteed to ourselves that Lost Zone Box was the big winner for that set. Getting things like Zamazenta, getting Zacian, getting uh, Sky Seal Stone. I mean, there was like so many good things that came out in that set that just worked so well for Lost Zone Box. It's not even funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at uh, Pedro's list right now. This definitely does look pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. It's funny, right? Because like, you know, I, I think people were on like Copium going it. I mean, I definitely was. Uh, I feel like people are on Copium going into Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, oh, Crown Zenith has come out. It's got some cool cards in it. It's going to shake up the format because I think people were just tired of, you know, Silver Tempest format. But that didn't happen. Uh, none of the top eight decks featured any cards from Crown Zenith, including the one Lost Zone box that made Top Cut. Didn't have any of those new cards in it. It was just a standard Rayquaza list. <laughs> So, it's kind of interesting, you know, going from, oh, well, Crown Zenith didn't really do anything, to, yeah, cards from Crown Zenith play a huge role in both Mm -hmm. Pedro 
and Azul's list. So let's start with Pedro's. The big thing here is that, again, it's not featuring the Kyogre, it's not featuring the Rayquaza, but this is kind of like a V-Box. Mm-hmm. It's got your standard Lost Zone suite with the Comphase, the Cramorants, the Sableyes, the Radiant Greninja, and then just a bunch of, uh, you know, tech attackers for specific matchups. So you have the Snorlax from Lost Origin, the Zamazenta from Crown Zenith as a nice revenge attacker, Raikou for Lightning Weakness, Drapion for Darkness Weakness, uh, the, you know, it's just this rainbow of Pokemon to try to hit the best numbers with the right Pokemon. And what strings all this together is that one of copy of Sky Seal Stone, which gives the Pokemon V that it's attached to the V Star Power Star Order. During your turn, you may use this ability. During this turn, if your opponent's active Pokemon V-Star or active Pokemon V-Max is knocked out by damage from an attack from your basic Pokemon V, in this case, uh, Raikou V and Drapion V, take one extra prize card for the knockout. Now, the big thing about this is that Lost Zone Box already trades super favorably into basically every deck in the format. Lost Zone Box has, without a doubt, the best price trade in the format. You're taking one prize, they're going to take like two or three if it's a good turn, right? So giving them this tool card that allows them to take an extra prize card off of V-Stars and V-Maxes, you're going to take one, maybe two, because you have to play Pokemon V now. They're going to take three. They're going to take four. I mean, wow, dude, (laughs) like... It's a very powerful card, and I don't think any deck can, can really take advantage of it the way that Lost Zone Box does. Oh, no, I agree 100%. And, you know, it's it's very scary. Like, losing four prize cards at once is, like, devastating. Three is awful, but I think we're all pretty used to dealing with that kind of setup. But losing four, dude, at once? Oh, that's a, like, <laughs> that would make me just want to give up. I'm not going to lie. Oh my goodness. It's it's it feels so bad. It feels so bad. I know that from ADP and from Sky Seal Stone. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that that's kind of the big thing though, is that like you just prize trade so favorably into all the meta decks that like you know, you take one knockout and your opponent is already like, I need to win this game fast. <laughs> Which is a really scary thing to to or a really scary situation to be in. And I will say this makes me feel a little bit better about Orlando. Mm-hmm. Because we were expecting this to be like something. Basically, Pedro's list is what we were expecting to be popular at Orlando. And it didn't show up. We were we were one event too early. So it makes me feel a little bit better about Orlando. But I mean, yeah, this was. This is like part of why I left Orlando like kind of confused and unhappy mm-hmm. with the format. I was like, dude. How did the Lost Zone box get all those insane tools and none of them, like, did anything? I think uh, people were just too obsessed with Lugia during Orlando. Well, that is one thing, yeah. So, Lugia was heavily played at Orlando, as you might expect. But also, Orlando happened only two weeks after Crown Zenith. And Crown Zenith being a mini set. There's no booster boxes or anything like that. You have to buy like the standard boxes. And that product, generally speaking, isn't as available. You know what I mean? 
So it's possible that people just like weren't testing it or maybe they wrote it off too soon or maybe they just couldn't get their hands on the cards to actually use them for Orlando, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But OCIC, three weeks after the set comes out, a little bit more testing time, uh, or maybe, you know, keeping it in, in the pocket for the IC instead of letting that technology out at Orlando, right? Because, you know, this is OCIC, there's more rewards on the line, right? And yeah. you know what? That might actually be the case because Azul's testing group played Control at Orlando instead of Lost Zone Box, which they've been playing the entire format. So I can't help but think, like, maybe they were just trying to hide the technology the whole time, which, if that was the case, bro, kudos. Like, straight up, GG. <laughs> Y'all killed it, but... I don't know, just something to think about. Yeah. <clears throat> but speaking of Azul GG, he's taking another one home, playing Lost Zone Box... Finally giving Lost Zone Box, I believe, its first regional win this entire format. Is it really? I think so. Let, I'll, I'll fact check that here real quick. Uh, I know it won a regional. It won a couple of regionals in the Lost Origin format. Yeah. But I don't think that it won anything in the uh, Silver Tempest format. Let me take a look here. Third. Yeah, this. Yep. In the Silver Tempest format, this is the only tournament win that Lost Zone Box has. It has several great placements, obviously. You know, several top eights, several day twos, top 64s, whatever. Because, you know, obviously it's a Lost Zone Box, a very powerful deck. But this is the first time it's won something in the Silver Tempest format. That's cool. Uh, Definitely wouldn't be surprised if we see a decent little uptick in Lost Zone Box decks now. I agree, especially of this variant. So let's take a look at this here. So Azul had a similar idea with the Sky Seal Stone, but as you can see, he's not really running a weakness package with the Vs. He's just boiled it down to Dragonite V and Drapion V. And I want to talk about this Dragonite. Mm -hmm. Now, we've seen Dragonite show up in Lost Zone Box before. It was kind of a tech card that I believe was popularized by Azul's testing group as an answer to things like Ice Q, which is mm-hmm. a you know a popular strategy, set up an Ice Q with a Wash Water Energy and use its block face attack, which makes it immune to basic Pokemon. And you basically just wall out the entire deck because Lost Zone Box only plays basic Pokemon. Dragonite V for two colorless has the Shred attack for 50 damage and ignores all effects of uh, or all effects on your opponent's Pokemon. So it can hit through the ice skew, no problem. Um, so that was kind of the main reason that they threw in Dragonite into their Lost Zone decks before, but it was still very much the Kyogre show. Now, Dragonite has taken on a much bigger role. It still has Shred, which is obviously very good. But it also has the attack Dragon Gale for two water and a lightning energy. You deal 250 damage at the expense of damaging all of your own benched Pokemon as well. But... As we know, 250 plus 30 is 280. Attach a choice belt to that Dragonite and you're hitting V-Star numbers, which is really powerful. So, Azul's list is, uh, you know, the fairly standard Lost Zone Box thing. You've got the Comphase, the Sableyes, the Cramorant, the Greninja. You're drawing cards. you got Tech Attackers as Storlax. And the Fighting Lightning Zeraora from Vivid Voltage 
for lightning and a colorless. Fighting lightning does 30 damage plus an additional... Uh, is it 100? No. Plus an additional 80 if it is attacking into a Pokemon V or GX. So attach a choice belt to that. And through weakness, it is KOing a Lugia V-Star. Uh, and of course, it has free retreat as well. So it's a it's great as a pivot. Just ultimately just a really strong card. Yeah, very strong. I've seen a couple of people playing this card lately, which, I mean, like you said, being able to one-shot Lugia is uh, pretty powerful. Yeah, as a one-prizer, no less. Mm-hmm. And, and a few of the interviews Azul had uh, after, like, stream games and stuff, yeah, he mentioned, he's like, dude, Zeraora has been, like, my MVP, like, all day. Like, he got the meta call right. Like, I, I guess he and his group just had a feeling that Lugias weren't going to play Dunsparce this weekend, and... Mm -hmm. I mean, he hit the nail on the head because that Zero Aura. I watched it on stream a couple times. That Zero Aura was putting in work. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, it's just Lost Zone Box. But with the Zero Aura and with a Sky Seal Stone package for your Dragonite, and you just you just go. You'll <laughs> you'll outprize like your prize trade again is phenomenal. And, again, I think, like, Zero Aura just carries, like, so much in the Lugia matchup if they're not playing mm -hmm. Dunsparce. Like, it's yeah. actually kind of crazy. Yeah, that becomes really unfavorable <laughs> really fast if they don't have the Dunsparce. Yeah, absolutely. But really cool list all around. I'm, I'm glad to see that my group wasn't off-kilter with, uh, with the Crown Zenith cards ending up being really good. <laughs> in the Lost Zone box. I'm glad we weren't off-kilter with that uh, and that uh, we actually have some results with these cards. So, shout-outs to Azul. It was a really good run and uh, a really cool deck. Hey, you gotta hand it to him. Oh, definitely. I think that's gonna cover it for our news roundup this go-around. Let us know what you thought of all of our news topics today. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email, or you can keep the conversation going in our Discord server. Links to that are in the episode description below. Come on in, join the server, join other members of our community to talk about shiny cardboard. We love to keep the conversation going. Now, all that said, it's time we get into the 60-card showcase. We've talked a lot about how Standard is kind of stale right now, Kind of not in a great spot. So we're finally fulfilling a year-long <laughs> year quest to eventually talk about expanded format here on the show. We're finally finishing that quest. We're going to be talking about Pikachu and Zekrom GX in the 60-card showcase right now. I don't know how many times I've said it at this point, but I'm going to I'm going to reiterate the point. It has been a year-long journey for us to get to the expanded <laughs> format. <laughs> we kept saying, "Oh, we're going to do it eventually. We're going to talk about it." Like expand is kind of crazy. Uh and then it got a little too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of admittedly that's kind of why we stayed away from it. Uh just like, like it's gotten so so over the top to the point where like you're either getting like destroyed by some super hyper aggro deck similar to the one we have for you today 
or you're facing up against control and you're going to be sitting there for the entire 50 minutes not taking a single prize card. <laughs> yeah. Expanded yeah. is nuts, dude. It's nuts. Uh, it's definitely fun, I will say. I know it's not the biggest thing in Pokemon, that, you know, but I think Expanded, honestly, is a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, current expanded, if you're just playing to goof around, have fun, and just play broken mm -hmm. decks, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But like if you're like trying to actually compete in expanded, uh, yeah. it's like, oh god. <laughs> it can't be right. I, I guess it depends on how serious you want to take it. I think expanded's fun just because it is so dumb. You know what I mean? Like yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun doing crazy stuff. But definitely, if you're like you're trying to take this seriously and play, it, it's pretty rough. I'm not... I have to agree. Yeah, it's just such a bloated format at this point that there's just mm -hmm. like... There's just so much crazy stuff. And uh, let me preface by saying this. It's... It, it, it is purely a format of matchups, I think. We're at a point where it's just like, you try to build the most broken deck you can out of the card. Like, you know, you come up with a concept, you try to build the most broken deck you can, and it's going to win against the decks that that concept worked really well into, but it's going to lose hard into the ones that it didn't cover for, you know what I mean? And there's yeah. so much to cover for, because for those that don't know, the expanded format covers every single card released from base set black and white all the way up to the modern era. Now, there is a ban list, so you can't use every card, but... Um, yeah, but still, there's so many cards that it's uh, it's pretty much impossible to have, like, an all-around deck. You're going to take a loss somewhere. Like, it's just going to happen and, in this format. And probably a few of them, too, even if you're the yeah. best deck in format, uh, which, yeah, for the longest time, has been Shadow Rider. <laughs> Yeah, there's. I mean, there's just not enough space to cover everything because, like you said, there's so many crazy cards that you could choose from. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, just th this quick little rundown of expanded format. Like I said, everything from black and white up to the modern era with a ban list, and the ban list you would think would be kind of. It's really not. Like, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I, like, I know like Shaman EX is banned. Uh, Chip Chip Isaac. I think maybe even reset stamp. Yeah, reset stamp is banned. Basically, anything, any item based hand disruption is banned. Of course. Uh, and then Forest of Giant Plants, because that's just a filthy, nasty, broken card. Um, and I'm sure there's, you know, there's a little bit more that I'm that I'm missing, of course. But point is, there's not really a whole lot that's banned. Like you can still execute just absurd strategies uh, with this format. So. Before we jump in, obviously today we are talking about uh, Pikachu and Zekrom GX. Uh, first time we're talking about GX Pokemon on the 60-card showcase. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, so we'll be you know, going over the general idea of the deck here in just a bit, but I kind of want to talk about some fundamental features of Expanded first, just as a bit of a primer for those who maybe aren't aware. So... Uh, it really, the staples is basically what I'm getting at here, right? So, you know, in our standard format, we're playing, like, Research, we're playing Marnie, we're playing Boss and stuff like that, right? Uh, you know, depending on the format, you might have some switching cards just so you can move your Pokemon around and all that fun stuff. Expanded is a little bit different because, again, we're working with such a large card pool here. Uh, of course, Research and Marnie are still very popular in this format, but you also have N, 
which we talked about as our card of the day, I want to say on episode three, I want to say. Yeah, it was somewhere around there. It was one of the first couple episodes. Yeah, this is an absolute staple card in Expanded. Uh, I mean, just all around good. I think if this card is ever in a format, it's going to be a staple. Each player shuffles their hand into their deck and draws cards equal to the number of prize cards they have. So good early game consistency, good late game disruption. Solid card. if you watch our X and Y retro video, you can see us using it, and you can see why it's such a good card. Yeah, it is uh, a very good, very good card. Do you play a playset of N in that deck? Uh, I believe so. If not yeah, a playset, okay. a three of. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Most non-control decks, at least in like the smaller formats if n is there you're probably playing full yeah. of it like and of course of course you got those vs seekers to get it back too to keep just keep it going yep that's another big staple in the expanded format is the item versus seeker vs seeker you know tomato tomato it's an item card that says put a supporter from your discard pile into your hand that is broken bonkers like that could you imagine that in standard today it's a card that makes you want to actually have your supporters in the discard because it's way more reliable to be able to get them. Yeah, like, with just like the sheer amount of draw power you have in expanded, like being able like normally you look at Ultra Ball and be like, Man, I've been in a way two supporters, this feels terrible, but like in expanded, you literally don't care. You're gonna go like, Yeah, Ultra Ball, discard Guzma, discard research, uh, you know, go get this Pokemon, draw a bunch of cards. Uh, okay, now I'm at the end, you know, of, like, my drawing sequence. I'm kind of at a point where I want to attack, uh, or at a point where I can decide that this supporter is best for the turn. Let me play VS Seeker, get it from my discard pile, and, you know, keep the combo rolling. But, dude, what the heck? That card is so good. It's very good. It's got a lot of utility. Uh, another staple card that you should probably be aware of is Floatstone. Uh, another just insanely broken card. Uh, if you think Air Balloon is good, wait till you hear this. The Pokemon this tool card is attached to has no retreat. Just zero, zilch, forever. Even if they play something like Galar Mine or something that would increase, the wording of the card says no, no retreat. retreat. So no matter what, unless the tool, like, unless the effect of the tool card gets removed somehow that your retreat cost is always going to be zero. So that is uh, one of the, probably one of the best tool cards ever printed. Just being able to turn any Pokemon in your deck into a guaranteed pivot is just insanely powerful. So very good uh, tool card. You'll probably see like two of those in about every expanded deck, to be honest. So if you're into expanded, uh, you're going to want to get a couple of those. (laughs) <laughs> and the last thing yeah. I want to talk about are the A-Spec Trainer cards. Uh, now, this is a subset of Trainer cards from the Black and White era. Uh, and ve- they work very similar to our current standard Radiant Pokemon, where you can only have one A-Spec in your deck. But they have such ridiculously powerful effects. Ours is running Computer Search, uh, which is the most common A-Spec card, the one you'll see in the most amount of lists. Uh, discard two cards from your hand, search your deck for any card, uh, which is really good. Tutor for anything is always really good. Yeah. 
but then of course there's others as well, like Dowsing Machine, discard two cards from your hand, add a trainer card uh, from your discard pile to your hand, uh, scramble switch, switch your active Pokemon, and uh, after you do that, you may move your energy around the board however you want. Things of that nature. I mean, there's some extremely powerful effects on these A-spec cards. Uh, so you're going to want to be familiar with what those do if you're interested in the expanded format. Again, most decks are going to run Computer Search. And the next most popular one after that is Dowsing Machine, which is why I covered those specifically. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to shout out a couple of those staples before we got into the gist of things here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good. Because you'll see those, like you said, you'll see those in pretty much every deck in this format. Yeah, if you're going to try to try to brave the expanded format and you're looking to build a deck, you know, maybe 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 keep all those in mind. And of course, you know, a lot of the stuff from standard like can work pretty well too, uh, with some exceptions. Again, research and Marnie is just everywhere. Oh, one more I should mention, sorry. We got to talk about the big man Goose. <laughs> how could we forget? Yeah, how could we forget? It's your boy Guzma. <laughs> Oh, I love this card. So this is boss's orders, or actually here for a standard comparison, this is cross switcher as a supporter card. Uh, now, you know, obviously cross switcher being an item card, you might argue like, Hey, that actually sounds like it would be better. Well, remember with cross switcher, you have to play two copies at the same time in order to get the effect, right? Uh, the effect being, uh, you may switch, uh, your opponent's active Pokemon with one of their bench Pokemon. After you do so, you may switch your Pokemon. So, or not may, you have to. So, Guzma, while on the surface, might sound like a more convoluted boss's orders, you'll be surprised at how frequently Guzma just actually ends up being better, in my opinion. Because being able to not only gust your opponent's Pokemon, but get like your favorite attacker into position just yeah. with one card is it's so good. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a very reliable way to pivot. You know, you can pull out your whatever pick you need while you're pulling out whatever mon that you've been building up on your bench, or you can just swap your opponent's active because you need to get something out yourself. I think, I see what you mean. I do think Guzma comes up as being relevant more than you would initially give it credit for. Exactly, yeah, and that was definitely my experience with it. And of course, uh, with it being, or like, with combination of Floatstone... Like, you don't even have to worry about that part, right? Because then, like, yeah. oh, my attacker's already here, but the thing I want to hit's on the bench? Okay, cool. I'm going to Guzma, bring it up, move, and then switch into my Pokemon with Floatstone, and then I'll just retreat back into the attacker that was active before and get my attack off, right? So, especially in formats with Floatstone, uh, I mean, Guzma is just, just so good. <laughs> it's so good. So, those are some of the cards uh, that, uh, you know, are staples. Uh, you have a couple others that may or may not find their way into a lot of decks, being Dedenne GX, Tapu Lele GX, Crobat V, which I'm willing to bet a lot of y'all know from Standard. Um, you may not see those in every day. Well, you might see Dedenne GX, but we'll, we'll cover that anyway as we get into the gist of things here. So, <laughs> uh, without any, uh, any more lollygagging, let's talk about it. So... The star of the show is Pikachu and Zekrom GX. Now, if you're not familiar with GX Pokemon, this was kind of the main mechanic in the Sun and Moon era. 
but with tag team GX Pokemon, unlike the regular GXs, you didn't have to evolve into your GX Pokemon or, you know, whatever. They were just these big, beefy, insanely powerful basic Pokemon. Like, we're talking, like, absurdly powerful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were basic. It's crazy. Yeah. So, I guess you'll get the idea when you hear some of these numbers here. So, Pikachu and Zekrom GX is a basic lightning Pokemon with 240 HP, has the attack full blitz for 3 lightning energy, deals 150 damage, and says you can select 3 lightning energy from your deck and attach them to one of your Pokemon. Uh, I think one of your lightning Pokemon, actually, specifically. Uh, so, for 3 energy, you deal 150 and get 3 more energy out of the deck. You can use that to power up another Pikachu and Zekrom. You can use that to power up some of our tech attackers in here, like Vikavolt V for item lock shenanigans, and Raichu V for a late game just absolute nuclear bomb. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, of course, at the same time, you're also, like, th uh, thinning three cards out of your deck, right? Uh, very much similar to Arceus V-Star. Like, you're just getting three energy cards out of your deck. You're thinning your deck, you're powering up your next attacker... Or, if the stars align, you can dump those three energy onto Pikachu and Zekrom GX itself. Now, you might be thinking, why would you want six lightning energy on one singular Pokemon? Well, that's because of Pikachu and Zekrom's GX attack. So, much like our V-Star Pokemon in the standard format, GX Pokemon have a once-per-game attack that they can use. Pikachu and Zekrom's is pretty nuts. It is Tag Bolt GX, which for three lightning energy deals 200 damage. Nothing fancy. But if you have an additional three lightning energy attached to Pikachu and Zekrom GX, not only will you deal 200 damage to the active, you will snipe one of your opponent's bench Pokemon for 170. Pretty good. You want to talk about rapid flow? Hold up, like, <laughs> yeah. rapid flow ain't got nothing on this. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean that's pretty good, right? So like 170 yeah. is like a really good number to hit as like for bench sitters, because again we talked about earlier, uh, you know, very common support Pokemon that you might see in a lot of decks are Dedenne GX, which has 160 HP. It, you know, you'll see things like Tapu Lele GX which has 170 HP. So you can apply a massive amount of damage to your opponent's main attacker in the active spot while also KOing one of their support Pokemon at the same time, which is absurd. Yeah, that's really good. And if that wasn't enough, <laughs> expanded strikes again. Mm -hmm. We have Electro Power. Boost that number on up there. Yeah, you want... Oh, did I say 200? I meant 230. Mm -hmm. Wait, here's another one. I meant 260. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another Electro one. Power. Yeah, another one. <laughs> electro Power, very similar to our current standard Power Tablet, says that when you play this card from your hand during this turn the attacks of your lightning-type Pokemon will deal an additional 30 damage. So, you know, if you play 4 in one turn, you're looking at a potential 
plus 120 damage uh, just for, just from playing a couple items from your hand. Uh, and that also, like, frees up deck space in the list for, like, not having to play, like, damage boosters, like Choice Belt, uh, Muscle Band, you know, things of that nature, which is pretty cool, too. So, let, let's, let's kind of look at it all in one piece here. You have an attack that can accelerate energy and could deal upwards of 270 damage with four electro power, you know? <laughs> yeah. You have this big swing attack for the active that could potentially lob a giant number at the bench. You have Vicavolt for item lock, which is base 50, which again can be increased in increments of 30 thanks to electro power. And you have Raichu V with its dynamic spark attack, uh, two lightning energy, 60 damage plus 30 for each lightning energy you have on board. Combos very well with that full blitz attack. And again, can be pushed further thanks to Electro Power. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, this deck is nuts. Yeah, Electro Power is crazy. I remember uh, when I first started kind of playing the game again, you were playing that Ampharos deck that used Electro Power. Oh, <laughs> and I you dropped like so much. Yeah, you dropped like four on me in one turn, and I was like, what? <laughs> uh, huh? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I mean, it's just the fact that you can stack it, and I mean, we talked about how important that thirty number is as a bonus damage modifier. So I mean, crazy. Being able to the potential to stack four of them in one turn is crazy. Yeah, exactly. A lot of uh, a lot of the conversation around Pikachu and Zekrom while it was in standard was like, you know, oh, it's good. It's very fast. It, you know. It's very aggressive, but, like, its damage is just kind of low. And, you know, for a tag team, it's also fairly squishy. I think 240 HP is the lowest HP we've seen on Tag Team GX Pokemon, which, by the way, are worth three prices, so be careful with those. Um, but it was just, like, it It was that thing that never really mattered because you were going to play four Electro Power anyway, so... Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean my damage is low? I just played two Electro Power. Full blitz for 210? Like, hello? (laughs) (laughs) It's insane. It is. Now, I do want to kind of circle back to a comment I made. Pikaram is fast. It's aggressive. Now, you might be thinking, wow, even in Expanded, you know, how on earth are you getting three lightning energy on very quickly? Uh, That's where an old sun and moon mechanic comes in called Prism Star. So we got a couple of supporting... Prism Star cards in the list to help you get Pikachu and Zekrom powered up in one go. The first of which being Tapu Koko Prism Star with its Dance of the Ancients ability. Uh, once during your turn, you may use this ability. Uh, you can grab two Lightning Energy from your discard pile and attach them to two of your benched Lightning Pokemon. So you'd have to, you know, one to this bench Pokemon, one to that bench Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So you get some attachments that way, and you know after using that ability, Tapu Koko sends itself to the Lost Zone. So you got one energy on, and then you could attach for turn from the hand. Okay, that's two. And then we have probably one of the craziest stadiums ever printed, Thunder Mountain Prism Star. <laughs> the attacks of all of your light of all lightning Pokemon in play require one lightning energy less to attack. So, Full Blitz and Tag Bolt are two energy attacks. Two lightning energy attacks. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. 
Yeah, and it's not a terribly difficult combo to pull off. That was the <laughs> main way of getting Pikachu and Zekrom powered up in the standard format, was to pull off that combo. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, yeah, it, it's not a hard combo to pull off at all. You know, you're again, this is expanded. We're going turbo. We're seeing a bunch of cards playing to Dene GX. Uh, when you put it on your bench, you activate its Dene change ability, discard your hand, and draw six. That's absurd. But yeah, so we're going to be drawing a bunch of cards. Uh, and again, you know, you have supporters for that as well Research and Marnie, or Guzma and Hala. Guzma. The the tag teams don't apply just to Pokemon, they apply to supporters too. Uh, and the whole gimmick behind tag team supporters is that they have an effect, a fairly good one. Guzman Hala says, search your deck for a stadium card, which, Thunder Mountain Prism Star, that's kind of broken. Mm -hmm. But it also says you may discard two cards from your hand, and if you do, you may also search your deck for a tool card and a special energy. So you basically, as long as you have a way to get the Tapu Koko out and energy into the discard pile. Just by playing Guzma and Hala, you have the combo. <laughs> <laughs> Just with that one supporter card. Yeah, that's insanely good. Yeah, and it's for that reason we play the one of speed lightning energy uh, attached to a lightning Pokemon. It draws two cards and is also searchable by Guzma and Hala, which is obviously very good. So... Uh, yeah, no, it's not hard to pull off that combo, but we ha also have an X and Y favorite in here. Uh, Josh, I know you're very familiar with this card, Max Elixir. Ah, uh, yes. Good old Max Elixir. Good old Max Elixir. <laughs> Look at the top six cards of your deck yeah. and attach a basic energy you find there to one of your benched Pokemon. Very good. Yeah, this deck is just slinging energy into play. Yeah. It doesn't even care. It's all in the deck, don't care. Sling all that energy into the <laughs> into play. <laughs> Don't care. Yep. Uh, it's great. I, I do like aggro decks, and this deck is like honestly insanely aggro for Pokemon. Yeah, if you're wanting to, basically, here here's here's my standard comparison. If you enjoy Turbo Dialga or Turbozation and Standard, Picarom is the deck for you. You're just like going nuts. You're playing a bunch of cards, getting a bunch of energy into play, drawing a whole lot. And then, you know, again, at the very end, you're just like, yeah, big swing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is really cool so far. Now, I do want to talk about one cheeky tech card we have in here. We got to talk about the Giraffe Rig. I was wondering about the Giraffe Rig, I'm not going to lie. I haven't asked yet. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. I was not going to let... I, this is like one of my favorite cards from Sun and Moon. This is such a cool card. I love this so much. Mm -hmm. uh, but you generally wouldn't see this in Pika, uh, Pikachu and Zekrom. Uh, just, you know, because again, you're just trying to go aggro, you know, go big or go home. But, you know, with some some recent additions to Expanded, I think most notably Regidrago V-Star, uh, in order to keep up, this deck has kind of needed some some discard pile disruption. <laughs> So that's where Giraffarink comes in for one colorless energy. Has the attack Get Lost. You may uh, pick two cards from your opponent's discard pile and put them in the Lost Zone. For one colorless energy. <laughs> wow. I love this card so much, dude. It's so funny to just sit there. Like, especially, like, 
I know this isn't a control deck, right? So you'll 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 never do this in this deck, but like you'll commonly see it in control decks, and once like they've established mm-hmm. a lock, and you're just not doing anything, they're gonna be like, okay, cool, uh, get lost, and they're just gonna start like targeting all your supporters and stuff, so you can't via seeker them, <laughs> stuff like that, dude. It's so funny, but <laughs> it's a really cool inclusion for this deck because again, uh, you know. We kind of struggle with Reggie Drago V-Star a little bit. Reggie Drago might arguably be the best deck in expanded format right now. Uh, just because there's been so many insane Dragon-type cards that have been printed uh, over the years. That you get all of their attacks for one double Dragon energy and one either Grass or Fire basic energy. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of <laughs> nuts. Insanely good, yeah. So, I mean, we're talking things like... Timeless GX, Rolling Iron, uh, you know, Mega Charizard or Mega Rayquaza's attacks, which deal 300 base damage. Like, <laughs> like attacks that you would never dream of actually using on those printed cards, Reggie Drago has the ability to use, right? So this deck can struggle with that a little bit. So having the Giraffe Rig to kind of disrupt that is actually pretty cool. Uh, I actually managed to pull that off in a game against Reggie Drago. <laughs> Nice. Uh, yeah, they went like Ultra Ball discarding Mega Charizard and Dialga GX. And I was like, okay, uh-huh. time time to read some of these. I forgot what some of these do. And I was like, okay, that's base 300 damage. I need to get rid of that. Oh, that says take an extra turn. I need to get rid of that. <laughs> uh, so the moment I saw that, I was like, yeah, Quick Ball, Giraffe Rig, Retreat, Attach, Get Lost. Chuck those guys into the Lost Zone. <laughs> so that's great yeah so a little bit of a discard pile disruption here and, and it kind of goes well with the Vickavolt you can kind of you know you can opt for a slower game plan with this build uh, you know item lock your opponent because items as we've discussed are insanely good in the expanded format item lock your opponent and uh, you know if you ever get them in a position where they're really not doing a whole lot you can move into the giraffe rig and start saying get lost to some important things in their discard pile. So uh, pretty cool strategy there. Again, that's not the main strategy. It's just kind of a tech to deal with the decks that play out of their discard pile that might give Pikaram some trouble. Uh, very cute tech there. I like that a lot. I do too. But other than that, I think we hit most of the important stuff in the deck. Uh, again, it's just all about drawing a bunch of cards, going fast, slinging as many energy into play as humanly possible, and of course cheating your energy cost with the Thunder Mountain Prism Star as well. I mean, hey man, go fast or go home. Yeah, definitely. If you like aggro decks and you're interested in expanded, I think this is a really good option. Like... <laughs> Personally, if you're into aggro decks, I would just say play expanded in general. To be honest, <laughs> true. I mean, like that's it's like fifty percent just go fast aggro or fifty percent control. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. You got a pretty good chance of finding a deck you like. Yeah, definitely. But that is going to cover it for our sixty card showcase of Pikachu and Zekrom GX. In the expanded format, uh, this uh, deck was actually a request of one of our listeners from the Discord. 
Uh, so if you have a deck that you want us to talk about here on the on the podcast, hit us up on Twitter at Damage Counter, Damage Counter Podcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. And of course, you can always shoot submissions for the 60 card showcase towards us at our community Discord. Links for that are in the episode description. That's free to join. Come on in and keep the conversation going. But speaking of keeping things going, Josh, we're already getting Japan's first mini set in Scarlet and Violet. We're already seeing translations for it. I'm excited. I haven't looked at these yet. Oh, you haven't? Oh, my friend, you're in for a treat. I looked at the uh, Meowskata and the... uh, What's the fire type final evolution? Oh, the Skeletors. Skeletors. I looked at those two, uh, but I haven't seen anything else. Okay, well, I will say, those are probably my favorite two from the reveals, but uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and talk about it. I'm, I'm a little upset. We don't even have our first Scarlet and Violet expansion over here. And Japan is going to see the release of Scarlet and Violet Triple Beat on March 10th. A mini expansion that Japan is going to get before we even get the first one. <laughs> oh, it's painful being an international player, Josh. Yes, it is. It's very painful. Uh I'm telling you, man, March can't come soon enough. But that notwithstanding, you know, by the time we get Scarlet and Violet, we'll have the whole set. And, of course, we're only covering uh, some of the initial reveals for right now. Uh, more cards are being revealed. In fact, some were revealed uh, just yesterday at the time of this going up. So, or two days ago at the time of this going live. So, you know, we're still kind of getting some more information on what this set holds. Uh, We're going to, you know, hit the first few cards that were revealed, and then we're going to save everything else for when the full set reveal happens. Uh, Should be in a couple of weeks. Might actually be just in time for our our next episode. We'll have to see. But but we're going to start with the initial reveals for now, and uh, we'll cover everything else once the full set gets revealed. So in the meantime, I'll go ahead and start us off here. We're going to start with the trainers, as we usually do. And we have a really awesome reprint coming in. Superior Energy Retrieval, which I don't believe has seen uh, print since Black and White, I think. Has it really been that long? Wow. Yeah, I don't think... It was never reprinted in X and Y, Sun and Moon, or Sword and Shield, to my knowledge. So, yeah, old favorite coming back. I mean, I love this card. (laughs) No, I was just going to say it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Superior Energy Retrieval is an item card. It says discard two cards from your hand. If you can't discard two cards, you can't play this card. Put four basic energy cards from your discard pile into your hand, but you cannot choose any cards you discarded, you know, in in order to activate it, right? So, uh, four basic energy back to the hand on an item card. Pretty good. Yeah. And, of course, it's also, you know, balanced out by the fact that you've got to discard two to you know to get there kind of moving back towards older card design um yeah no i mean superior energy retrieval is great it opens it surprisingly opens up a lot more strategies than you might expect 
Uh, of course, we have Energy Retrieval. That's kind of an evergreen card. You just play it from your hand, get two energy back from the discard to your hand. Generally speaking, there's not a lot of decks that benefit too much from that. There's a couple, but not too very many. Uh, superior Energy Retrieval, on the other hand, I mean, you could do something with getting four back, right? So if you have something... Now, granted, I know this will rotate by the time we get this, but for example, if you have something like Frostmoth, you know, you now no longer have to use a supporter in Nessa to get all a whole bunch of energy from your discard pile back into your hand. You can just pop one of these, get four back, and then you're flooding energy across your board. Or if you have abilities that say discard energy and do X, you know, this is going to help you do that as well, right? So, uh, yeah, no, I love this card. This is this is good design, and I'm glad that it's here. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely glad to see this come back. It's it's way more useful than you would think, honestly. Yeah, like you said with like you said with Pokemon like that, or if you're using uh, what was the Flaffy that came out and was it Evolving Skies? Oh yeah, with the Dynamotor. Dynamotor, yeah, yeah. If you have something like that, you can just go off. Like being able to attach because like you can attach four energy in one turn using those. Of course, that's almost your whole bench. But I mean, it's just. Having it come to your hand instead of putting it back into your deck is pretty advent like advantageous in a lot of situations, even if you don't need all four, really, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you're playing any kind of deck that has discard synergy, I mean, this is, you know, a discard synergy and, like, works well with getting energy back into the hand. Like, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps maybe a, uh, a certain EX Pokemon we'll look at a little bit later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is just super good. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, I think that's the only item card we have. So I'm gonna move on to the trainers. First trainer we're gonna go over is Dendra. Dendra is put one card from your hand at the bottom of your deck, then draw until you have five cards in your hand. I mean, just a solid draw option. Uh, you're not losing cards. You get to downsize your hand a little bit. So you can draw, you can, in most situations, you could draw at least one card. Yeah. Or say, say ideally you would have maybe two or three, and you could notch that down to either one or two. Or even if you just somehow end up in the spot. Actually, what happens if uh, Dendra's the only card in your hand and you play it? Can't, you can't can you play not it. play yeah, it? Yeah, you, can't, you yep, just can't yep. play it, yep. I completely adored the asterisks. <laughs> say that, but I figured. I mean, but still, you could still drop this with two cards in your hand for a perfect five draw. Uh, that's pretty useful. You know, you've lamented about research on here a couple of times and how bad it can feel sometimes throwing cards away. So having like decent draw options where you're not losing cards is always nice. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely a bigger fan, uh, and I mean that's just because of the you know the nature of the decks that I like to play, where the resources are good to keep around. You don't want to, uh, you know, you don't want to be researching it away. Uh, this is kind of good for that, but I'm I'm a I'm a little mid on it, just because like drawing until you have five is kind of eh. I, it's nice that it allows you to thin your hand by one, just by mm -hmm. by the natural effect of the card. And I, I, I really like that a lot. Like, I think that's a really smart design. Because, you you know, we've all been there, right? Like, you know, you're playing a barrel engine, right? You discard, or you're like, you play down your hand, and you're just like, I could only get down to three. 
but I like I need to be drawing more than just three cards off of this. And you're just like, oh well, I gotta let it rip and hope I get what I need, right? So mm-hmm. in this situation, you know, outside of the fact that you're not drawing until you have six, you know, you can be like, oh, I only got my hand down to like three cards. Well, that's okay because I'm gonna play this. And now I've got two. I'm gonna put something on the bottom, and now I've got one. Now I can draw four. So it, I, I, I very much like the direction they're going in here. I'm just mm-hmm. not sure if it's going to be fast enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely don't think every deck will play this, but I can see for some decks, uh, running like maybe a one of of it or something. You know? Like, yeah, I could a low amount just in case. Yeah, I could see like resource heavy decks, kind of yeah. like, uh, uh, kind of like a resource heavy control deck could probably make use of this as like a one of you know um but yeah i mean it's it's a solid draw supporter it's not the worst uh, that we've ever seen um but i i am admittedly a little bit mid on it mm-hmm. but we do have some other supporters to talk about we've got clavel search your deck for up to three basic pokemon that have 120 or less hp and put them into your hand then shuffle your deck yeah i mean that's that's gonna be really good obviously once we hit the scarlet and violet format because we're gonna be searching for a lot more uh basic one prizers and stuff like that trying to get into our exs yeah i i i very much like this card a lot uh especially when we can get to formats where like cards like this in the early game are very good uh we've seen like massive success from cards like bridget in the past which had a very similar effect um and you know I've seen a lot of people draw the comparisons and be like, oh, well, why not just play Gloria? You know, you can get any basic Pokemon and it doesn't have, uh, you know, the the HP stipulation. I'm like, well, Gloria can't get your rule box Pokemon. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a push or pull. Depending on the deck you're playing, you might be better off playing Gloria. Like if you were going to play Dondozo, for example, uh, you mm-hmm. would probably be better off playing Gloria, but... You know, if you're playing a deck with, like, maybe a basic EX Pokemon or something along those lines, you know, you know, Clavel allowing you to grab Pokemon with rule boxes uh, opens up the floor for you to grab Radiant Pokemon, potentially, uh, which I know some of them are excluded by the HP value. Uh, I know Greninja being one of them, which is a little unfortunate because that's the, you know, that that's probably the best one, but... There are a couple of Radiants that are still very useful that um, can be grabbed off of Clavel that Gloria can't. So, you know, weigh your options, look at your deck, and if you're playing a supporter like this, then I mean, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good early game supporter. Uh, I think this probably gets worse the longer a game goes on, so... Yeah, for sure. You probably wouldn't play, like, more than, like, two, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I do like it, but like you said, the I don't know using your trainer slot to search out three basic Pokemon. I mean, while while really good early game, just late mid late game, it's not going to offer really too much utility for the most part. You're probably going to want to be playing actual card draw or bossing something. You know, right. I do like it though. Yeah, I, I think I think Clavel will start seeing a lot more play once we like cycle out all of the Sword and Shield cards. So it's we don't have E Maxes, we don't have E Stars. It's just Scarlet and Violet forward. I think I think that's when Clavel really starts to see a lot of play. That's yeah. That's just speculation, but based on the card design that we're seeing so far, I I would say it's a safe bet. 
Yeah, I can see that. Alright, so that's our last of the supporter trader cards. We're going to cover a new stadium card now. Artisan Town. So, once during either player's turn, that player may search their deck for one basic Pokemon, excluding Pokemon that have a rule box, and put it on their bench, and then you shuffle your deck. So, I mean, a really good Pokemon search option for uh, your actual basics. Yeah, no cost to do it. Um, it does come at the... Uh, it, it does come at... It does come at the effect of your opponent also being able to activate the stadium on their turn and get the same effect. So, and I know, I think I've said this before, but I know people are very, very, uh, can, can be very loud when it comes to being like, oh, you're, you know, if a stadium gives your opponent effect, it's bad. But like, come on, man. How many people are playing training court these days? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I definitely would be slightly leery of it, because, I mean, I, it could backfire on you, I guess. It's, I don't know, I don't think it's that bad. I mean, yes, they get to search out a Pokemon for free, but it's only a basic Pokemon. Without a rule and, box, nonetheless. Yeah. And, I mean, if it bothers you, I mean, you just have to keep into consideration when you drop it, or how badly do you need to use that as your search option, it, the or whole, do you really the whole need risk to versus something? reward thing? Yeah, you know. It's you do have to think about it, but I don't think that's reason to write it off completely. Yeah, I agree. Um I think this will be really good for like setup decks, you know, decks that need to take a few turns, get powerful Pokemon into play, and uh, you know, then start moving. I think this would really help those kinds of decks. Again, I think this is another one of those situations where the card as it stands right now may not be phenomenal, but mm. once we get all the sword and shield stuff out of the out of the game, I, I think this card is alright. I don't think it's like a staple in a Scarlet and Violet only format, but um I I, I think it it's worth considering at least, but um yeah, we of course that's that's way out into the future, but you know, for what would be our current standard, it's all right. There's probably better options, but it's like I'd also wouldn't be against running like a copy of it. Mm -hmm. Now, next up is I think our first special energy that we've seen from Scarlet and Violet. Uh, interestingly enough, the base set Scarlet EX and Violet EX did not feature a Rainbow Energy, uh, which is something we usually see at the beginning of every uh, of every new era as a new version of Rainbow Energy. Uh, this time, arriving a little bit late, but we have it. We have Luminous Energy. As long as this card is attached to a Pokemon, it provides every type of energy, but provides only one energy at a time. If the Pokemon this card is attached to has any other special energy attached to it, this card provides one colorless energy instead. I love this card. Yeah, I think this is actually going to be a pretty good card. It's, well, it, it's good by virtue of just being a rainbow-type energy. Like, mm -hmm. having that flexibility is always very good. But I just very much appreciate the fact that they put that little extra bit at the end to where 
if you have another special energy attached, it stops working, basically. Mm -hmm. It's it's a very clever way to balance out, you know, the rainbow energy. Because, you know, let's, let's not beat around the bush here. Lugia, in our current standard format, is as good as it is because you can just stack so many special different energy. colored special energies and just, like, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh... I feel like this might partially be in response to Lugia, but at the same time, it is actually a another callback to the Ruby and Sapphire era of the Pokemon TCG. This is, believe it or not, this is actually a reprint. <laughs> <laughs> really? That is a little surprising to me. Yeah, it wasn't called Luminous Energy back then. In the Ruby and Sapphire era, it was called Multi-Energy. But it had the same effect, so I don't know why they didn't just reprint multi-energy. It kind of, like, that kind of irks me. Like, <laughs> like, why make a new card? Just reprint multi-energy. Let me get ruby and sapphire cards and use them. Like, <laughs> which, I mean, I guess that's why, but... Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really balanced effect. Uh, you get to have the versatility of a rainbow energy without... Uh, you know, creating these crazy overpowered scenarios like we've done with Lugia. Because remember, Lugia is still going to be in the format after rotation, right? We're not getting rid of that card for a while. Um, yeah. It, it's going to get slightly, or it's going to get a little bit worse once rotation hits. And, but it's definitely not going to go away. Yeah, no, it's definitely still good. Um, but Luminous Energy kind of kind of hurts its flexibility a little bit. Because you're playing exclusively special energy in that deck, so you can't really rely on it. Um, but otherwise, I think this is... I mean, this is just really good, in my opinion. I love that... Uh, I, this is something that Sander mentioned on Twitter, Sander Wojcik. He mentioned that, like... Yeah, this energy, like, opens up so many more avenues of approach for control. Because there's a lot of really decent control cards in Sword and Shield that just don't see play... Because they need a one-of specific colored energy. Uh, you know, the Galarian Stunfisk, I believe from Lost Origin, I believe is the set it comes from, is a perfect example where if your opponent puts a stadium in play for one metal energy, you get to discard that stadium. And then there's like some extra hand disruption effect as well. I think like discarding cards. Like it's very mm -hmm. powerful, but, you know, you just don't have the room to weave in those metal energy. So yeah. you kind of just don't get to use it, right? This fixes that. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, that's just using control as an example. There are other examples of that too, right? Like there could be, and I like I don't have any specific cards as an example, but we've seen things in the past where there could be a really good stage one Pokemon or a really good basic Pokemon that's just kind of splashable, but needs a color, like a colored energy, right? You'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, well this, you know, grass type would help me cover matchups because I'm weak to grass or whatever, or weak to water or whatever grass is heading for weakness these days, darkness. Um, it needs one energy. Okay, cool. I'll play the luminous energy so I could fulfill that energy cost without skimping out on my darkness energy, without having to play this weird mishmash of, uh, you know, basic dark and basic gray. You know what I mean? Like it, situations like that can happen now thanks to luminous, luminous energy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is going to be really good for any deck that uh, doesn't have to rely on a different kind of special energy. Because like you said, it, it's going to open up doors for being able to drop other Pokemon in there that 
work well with the decks, but don't quite splash with the colors well. So, I mean, I look forward to it. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite cards revealed so far. Yeah. But uh, we're going to move on to the Pokemon now and talk about my favorite card that's been revealed so far. <laughs> I'm really excited for uh, Meowskarada. Meowskarada. I always have trouble saying the name. EX. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this card's kind of crazy. I like this card a lot. And it's because of its ability here. Uh, Magic Banquet. So you may discard a grass energy from your hand, or you must <laughs> discard a grass energy from your hand in order to use this ability. Once during your turn, you may choose one of your opponent's bench Pokemon and put three damage counters on it. That's pretty good. Oh my god, that's three? Oh, I thought yes. it was two. Oh my god, that's broken. No, what? Yes, yes. Oh my god. <laughs> so that's really good. And it pairs well with its attack here, Nail Scratch. So for two colorless energy... 100 plus damage. If your opponent's active Pokemon already has any damage counters on it, this attack does 120 more damage. So for two colorless energy, that's a potential 220 base before any other kind of damage modifiers. And you have Magic Banquet to help get it set up. Plus, I mean, there's plenty of other Pokemon that are able to get damage onto bench Pokemon. Yeah, I think uh, the best example being the Halucha that is coming in our base set, uh, which when you drop it on the bench puts one damage counter on two of your opponent's bench Pokemon. And you can kind of get cute with it, right? Like since, you know, both Meowskarada and Halucha both target the bench, and you're going to want to be hitting the active, obviously, with a Nail Scratch attack, you can kind of get cute and throw in a Radiant Alakazam in there to move those damage counters up to the active Pokemon. So that's really cool. And of course... I think my favorite idea so far is pairing this with Hisui and Samurott Vsar. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of options here, and I do love the fact that Meowskarada attacks for two colorless. Mm -hmm. uh, so this, and this is going to be a trend. <laughs> this is going to be a trend as we continue this uh, this segment. Uh, but the fact that you can uh, just attach a double turbo energy and just go means that... Pretty good. Well, pretty good. You get one attachment. Also makes Meowskarada work very well with Cheryl. Mm -hmm. Discard all energy attached to your evolution Pokemon in play and heal all damage from them. Or, yeah. well, you heal the damage, then discard energy if they healed. And then you just go, okay, cool. Attach double turbo energy, nail scratch. <laughs> like. Yeah, and... Meowskarada has a pretty respectable 310 HP, so it's not weak. So that Cheryl combo is very viable, I think, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, like we talked about earlier, we are getting su uh, superior energy retrieval back as well, so you can get grass energy back from your discard pile that away, and then you could start using those magic bouquet abilities again. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. I like it. I'm looking forward to this one. And also, Meowskarada is the best starter from Gen 9. Don't at me. Definitely. I have to agree. Let's talk about some fire types. We have Paldean Tauros. Now, if you're not familiar, Paldean Tauros has three different forms in Scarlet and Violet. A fire type form, a water form, and a fighting form. Uh, now, granted, all of these forms share the same first attack. 
which, by the way, this, these are 130 HP basic Pokemon, uh, fire, water, and fighting, respectively. They all share the same first attack, being Fury Horn, 2 colorless energy, 20 damage. This attack does 10 more damage for each damage counter on this Pokemon. I don't think it's particularly great on the water or the fighting Tauros, but I think on the fire type Tauros, this attack is actually kind of nuts. Because mm -hmm. we can combo this with uh, Magma Basin. Magma Basin allows you to attach a fire energy from your discard pile to one of your benched fire type Pokemon and puts two damage counters on that Pokemon. So essentially my idea is using Paldean Tauros as your uh, Magma Basin recipient throughout the game, slowly building up damage on it, using the Armor Rouge from Scarlet and Violet EX to move the fire energy from the Tauros to your active fire type attacker, attack mm -hmm. with them, and then eventually you're going to get a whole bunch of these damage counters on the Paldean Tauros that you're going to be able to have this really good optimal one prize attacker swinging for pretty big damage what does that max out at if you get it down to uh just 10 points uh 140 that's not bad pretty good to be honest that two shots of v star um that is three shot on v maxes and non-weak ex pokemon which is a little rough but Again, if you're mm. using this in the late game, you've probably roughened up some of your opponent's Pokemon as it is. Uh, and of course, there's nothing stopping you from just bossing and KOing like a weaker target or, uh, you know, something like a supporting Pokemon or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. And it also has the Blaze Dash attack uh, for two fire and one colorless. You deal 120 damage, discard one energy from this Pokemon. All right. I mean, I guess you really just want to use it for Fury Horn. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's definitely pretty respectable for a just a normal basic attacker, one prize basic attacker, and <clears throat> like you said, if you're actually working around it to set up for that Fury Horn, it can actually be a really solid backup attacker. Yeah, absolutely. I I will I will say a bit of a spoiler warning. We'll dive a little deeper into the other Tauros as well when we get there. Uh, but the fire one is the best one. It, it's only downhill from here. <laughs> yeah, fire has as, the as far as the Tauros time. goes. <laughs> yeah, fire has the easiest time uh, being able to stack damage on itself. But anyway, moving on. So next up, we got Oricorio, and I mean, you're pretty much only going to play this card for its ability. Uh, passionate dance. Once during your turn, heal 20 damage from your active evolution Pokemon. So, I mean, that's pretty good. That's a free 20 damage heal every turn on any of your evolved Pokemon. Yep, just a little bit of healing can go a long way. Um, this provides you a bit of a different approach to the, uh, you know, to this, like, fire strategy that I've described before with the Tauros, where... You know, you can pile the energy onto the main attacker like normal, move it to the active, and then heal that damage with Passionate Dance or something, you know, something along those lines. Um, will it see a whole lot of play? Eh, I don't know. Probably not. But I felt like it was worth mentioning just in case because there is a little bit of synergy there with Magma Basin. You know, accelerate the energy, take the damage, move it active, heal the damage, and then, you know, you're off to the races. So there's a little bit of synergy there. So... Might see play, might not. 
but felt like it was worth mentioning it uh, anyway. Time for our next EX Pokemon is going to be Skeledurge EX. Skeledurge is a Fire-type Stage 2 EX Pokemon with 340 HP. He's thick. He's thick. I haven't seen a thick boy like that since Eternatus. Yeah, I think actually Eternatus might have actually been the last card. Yeah, actually, yeah. Eternatus was the last card printed with 340 HP. That's crazy to think about. <laughs> it really kind of is. That was so long ago. Okay, anyway. But yeah, we have uh, Skeletor's EX here. This card threw me for a loop. Uh, it's first attack for one fire energy, Vitality Song. 50 damage, heal 30 damage from each of your Pokemon. Is it just me, I or is it really weird to see the word heal on a fire-type card? <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. I was like, oh. oh like, I had to get used to that. I was like, oh, that's so weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but solid poke, you know, one energy 50 is not bad. You can take care of some evolving uh, baby Pokemon that way. You know, try to take out some of the evolution Pokemon before they become EXs. And of course, getting the spread 30 heal. Not bad. Uh, you know, keep your board healthy. Uh, it'll definitely... Uh, let me let me tell you this. You'll have a free free matchup in the Meowskarada, <laughs> basically. <laughs> definitely, Yeah. <laughs> Like, you're, you're healing all the damage and hitting it for weakness. Like, bro, what's what's happening here? But anyway, uh, the big thing is its second attack here for two fire energy. Burning Voice, 270 damage. This attack does 10 less damage for each damage counter on this Pokemon. So, you know, we're seeing the, the healing here, why that's important. You want to be able to keep your Skeledurge healthy. That way you can hit 270 every turn. 270 for two, by the way, is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm, that's a lot of damage for two energy. Yeah, very efficient attacker. And is kind of why I very much like that fire combo that I mentioned before with the Tauros. Use mm -hmm. the Tauros to, to soak up all the damage. Uh, from the Magma Basin, move it to the active with the Armor Rouge, attach for turn, boom, Burning Voice for 270. And then your opponent hits you, right? Oh, I'm going to be doing 10 less damage for, you know, however much damage they did to me. Not to worry. Cheryl, discard the energy, heal all the damage. Magma Basin to the Tauros, move it active with the Armor Rouge, attach from hand. Burning voice for 270. <laughs> this is yes. the first time, I think, ever that I've seen the minus symbol on an attack and been like, that's broken. Yeah. Because usually if you see the minus symbol, that usually means like, oh, this card's trash. <laughs> like, it's usually never very good. Yeah. But we have the tools to make this really good. And not for nothing, man. I think Skeledurge might actually end up being one of the best decks in format when we finally get this, just because of, like, that combo is just nuts. Like, like, what do you do? What do you uh, do? Yeah, 100%, I have to agree with you. It's uh, it's going to be really crazy when Skeledurge hits shelves. It's going to single-handedly bring water back into the fold, like... <laughs> yeah, definitely. Only thing Especially that 340 HP. I Water's going to be pretty much the only thing that can one-shot it. Yeah, he's a 
big boy, dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, holy. Oh. I love it, though. I, I'm I'm very excited for Meowskarada because Meowskarada is my favorite of the starters. But I think as far as strategy goes, I think I'm on Team Skeleturge, man. I, I love this card. I'm definitely very interested in both of them. I can uh, easily see myself building uh, both these decks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do. I 100% agree with you, though. I think Skeletorsh is definitely going to be the more viable of those two. <laughs> but uh, we're going to go ahead and move on here to the Water Paladian Tor Tauros. Uh, I'm just going to skip over Fury Horn. Uh, it's the exact same as Fire yeah. as the Fire One's Fury Horn. So this one second attack is called Water Dive. For a water and two colorless, this attack does 60 damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon. Uh, pretty simple. Not bad. Three, a, a three energy commitment for uh, 60 damage is kind of a lot. Especially since uh, you're a lot less likely to be able to get Fury Horn into situations where you want it to. It's a lot harder to get damage stacked on this water one than the fire. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't see much use for the Water Paldean Tauros, which is unfortunate. Uh, you know, 60 Snipe is fine and all. Um, you know, you can be KOing, like, important things like Evolving Baby Pokemon, things like Dunsparce, uh, you know, things of that nature. But, A, it's 3 energy. You're right. I don't think it's very energy efficient, in my opinion. Um the only way you're getting this going in, like, two attachments is with double turbo energy, which means you'll be dealing 40 damage instead of 60. So, there's that. And then there's also Manaphy, and it's just like, eh. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cold on this one. I love the Water Tauros. It's my favorite of them, but th this card is pretty weak. Definitely. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us about Quaquavel EX, though? Quaquavel. <laughs> yeah, so Quaquavel EX, uh, it's first attack here for one water energy, Lively Samba, uh, 60 damage. Switch this Pokemon with one of your bench Pokemon, then your opponent switches their active Pokemon with one of their bench Pokemon. Uh, I think that's a pretty solid utility attack, only a one energy commitment on a Pokemon you'll be building anyway, and the ability to manipulate your opponent's board while applying a little bit of pressure. Now, granted, you have to switch your Quaquavel out, but, I mean, there's plenty of ways around that are going to get back into active if that's your goal. So, I mean, pretty solid attack. Yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with a one energy poke for 60. Again, I know I've said it a lot, but that could be good for taking out those evolving basic Pokemon, you know, eventually. And that, like, that may not be something we need to worry about immediately, but, like, eventually that is going to be something that you're going to be looking for in cards. Being like, hey, can this deal enough damage to just one-shot the evolving basic Pokemon? Eventually that's going to be something you're looking towards. I promise you that. It won't be immediately, but eventually that's going to be a pretty big deal. Um, and, of course, like you said, you basically have an escape rope effect on the attack here, which can be pretty disruptive to your opponent. And, you know, there's nothing... You know, like... The Kukwavel moves to the bench, where you can safely give it another energy card for the next turn, or you could just move into another Kukwavel and force your opponent to have to, you know, deal with them while also having their own board disrupted. It's, uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting attack. Yeah, it definitely is. 
<clears throat> and uh, its second attack here for a water and a colorless propeller shot, 230 damage, put two energy from this Pokemon into your hand. That's okay. Definitely lackluster compared to the other two starters. Uh, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, 230 for two is very good. Uh, very energy efficient. If you think of things like basically anything that's hitting 230 in Sword and Shield format needs like three energy, right? So uh, it is very energy efficient, but getting the energy back into your hand is a little awkward. Um, there is a way to get around that if you use the... Uh, one prize uh, Quickwavel card that comes out in our base set, Scarlet EX and Violet EX uh, sets uh, with the Energy Carnival ability, which uh, says uh, once during your turn, you may attach a basic, or I don't, I don't know if it specifies basic energy, but you may attach an energy card from your hand to one of your Pokemon. So basically, as long as that one prize or stage two Quickwavel is in play, you get to attach two energies from your hand and of course that'll stack the more of those you have in play so i think initially the strategy is going to be to pair this alongside the one prizer quickwavel so you can just go propeller shot attach for turn energy car carnival attach from hand propeller shot and then do it all over again uh which also opens up a cheryl combo by the way <laughs> mm -hmm. i told you we're going to be seeing a lot of cheryl with these yeah i definitely think that's good I could, like, see myself running this, say, if I was was going to play Palkia V-Star again. I wouldn't mind having a, at least, like, a two-of line of Quaquable in there. You shift Pokemon, shift the board around into my Palkia V-Star that I just built up on my bench, and, shift, you know, shift out, swing big next turn. I think yeah, I it mean, definitely I... has some utility. Yeah, I could see this being a great, uh, great slot in for Palkia decks. Uh, and, of course, you know, that's another way around it as well. Um, so, I mean, you, you know... You've got tools to, to make it happen, but I do agree with you. I'm a I'm a little I'm a little bit more cold on the Quaquavel than I am uh, Skeletors and Meowskarada. I do think it has potential, um, but it ha another thing about it is that it's a water type, and we all know from Japan's results that Miraidon decks are very good. <laughs> yes. And being weak to lightning just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yes, that's uh, that's actually why I said, like, situation, like, if I ever went back and played Palkia. Because I just, I don't know, like you said, Mirrodon's going to be so good. Uh, I've already been planning on avoiding water like the plague, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it. we're unfortunately at the point where, like, once we get to a point where we have Mirrodon, I... In my honest opinion, I think water, even though Palkia can still be good, I think is going to take a backseat mm -hmm. until either A, Lightning like has to take a backseat because of fighting type support, or B, Fire gets such good support that we need water types in the format to kind of deal mm -hmm. with it. You know what I mean? I think that's yeah. really the only way Quick Wavel sees play. Uh, which might happen because we just talked about how insane Skeleturge is. So that might happen. Uh, but, you know, if it doesn't happen, I, I eh, you know, it, again, I'm a little mid on it. <laughs> yeah, I am too. It's just, I don't know, it is what it is. If nothing else, it has the best of the one prizer stage twos, that's for sure. That is true. 
So we'll go ahead and round things out here with the last Tauros card, uh, the fighting type Tauros. Again, we'll skip over Fury Horn, same attack, same HP, all that fun stuff, except it's a fighting type. Combat Tackle, 130 damage for fighting, fighting colorless. This Pokemon does 30 damage to itself. If you can find a way to get two fighting energy onto this Pokemon, or basically like get this attack set up relatively quickly, then cool. You know, you'll deal 130 damage, 260 after weakness, which isn't bad. And then you'll be dealing 30 damage to yourself to set up for your own Fury Horn later if it survives. I don't hate it. I actually could potentially see this in like a Lost Zone box if they were like extremely worried about playing against Miraidon for some reason. Mm -hmm. But also there are better fighting type cards that we could be using for that. So uh, I don't know. It's it's yeah. an option. It's an option. I mean, like we said, the fire type uh, Taros is just the best one. Yeah, it, it just slots so well into the Skeletor strategy. <laughs> Yeah, and like poses itself as a legitimate one prize attacking threat, which uh, is going to be pretty viable, right? Like if you're talking with uh, in a format mostly dedicated or mostly dominated by two prize decks, you know, finding a way to disrupt your opponent from just going two prizes, two prizes, two prizes, you know, make them force them to go like two, two, one, two to you know force that extra knockout. It's going to be a really powerful thing, and the Fire-type Tauros is really the only one that, I, in my opinion, can fulfill that, basically. Yeah, I have to agree with you. But that is uh, going to do it for our first round of cards from Triple B. Uh, you know, like I said, we're still getting more revealed. Uh, I've read some of the ones that have been revealed since then. They're getting a little crazy, not going to lie. I'm excited to talk about the set at large, but we'll have to save that for another episode. Uh, overall, I'm pretty excited. Uh, you know, I always love seeing the starters uh, get their debut as like the the generations rule box, you know, type deal. I was very excited to see Cinderace, Rillaboom, and Inteleon VMAX when those were revealed uh, mm -hmm. way back in the day. And uh, yeah, I've got the same feelings looking at Meowskarata, Skeledurge, and Quaquavel EX, except that these all three of these have potential to be viable, where the Galarian starters really did not have that potential, unfortunately. So mm. I'm pretty excited about this set. What about you, Josh? Uh, yeah, I definitely am too. I think I've said it a couple of times, but uh, I'm really looking forward to Scarlet and Violet in general coming out and just seeing these cards from this first upcoming set for japan for their first expansion set uh i'm even more excited now yes we might uh might have to jump on that idea we had earlier in the episode get some get some post-rotation tabletop gameplay in two months early you know what i mean <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, sure. we're probably gonna do that so but that's gonna cover it for the triple beat reveals for now let us know what you think what are your favorite cards revealed from Triple Beat, we'd love to hear what you have to think. Hit us up on Twitter at Damage Counter, Damage Counter Podcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Hit us up, let us know. And of course, you can also bring the conversation to us in our community Discord. Whoa! That's right, links to that are in the episode description down below. If you want to keep the conversation going, we've got a, lo a lot of uh, fellow community members in there just talking about some shiny cardboard. And, uh, you know, 
keeping the conversation going. And I'll, I'll throw this extra tidbit out there now while I'm thinking about it. I am making it a, a, a practice to throw my regional deck lists in the Discord before the event. So if you want an idea of what I'm playing for regionals, uh, definitely hop in the Discord. Uh, you can get a bit of an early look at what I'm what I'm cooking up for regionals. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, that's going to be episode 28 in the bag. In the bag. I want to thank everybody for joining us, listening to our newest episode, and just, you know, keeping up with Damage Counter Podcast in general. You know who you are. I love you. I love you. You're amazing. You're incredible. And of course, as always, uh, we would love for y'all to keep the conversation going. Reach out to us on those platforms I mentioned earlier. And of course, you can uh, reach me on Twitter at EmerDCP. That's E-M-E-R. DCP is in Damage Counter Podcast. And you can find me at Smiling underscore Anarchy. And don't forget to check out the YouTube channel as well. Damage Counter Podcast on YouTube.com. We've got some tabletop gameplay up there now, some tournament vlogs, some tournament reports. We've got a lot more tabletop gameplay planned for the future. So definitely stop by the YouTube channel, drop a sub so you don't miss any of the content. But with that being said, Josh, I think that's going to do it for this week. So everyone, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Beep, beep, beep.